Welcome to the 85th episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today we are covering the ninth week of the winter 2019 anime season. As always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and podcast feed if you only want to hear about one or two specific shows, since we spoil everything every single time you listen to this uh, podcast. <laughs> My name is Leo, and if I eat enough edibles, I'd love Domestic Girlfriend too. <laughs> Also with me are Be Calm and Cat. Hey. Hi. So, so how many edibles would it take, Leo, to get you well, to the point where you would enjoy anything on the couch? <laughs> oh, uh, well, it, some edibles are a little bit more stronger than others, but... Uh, so, like, what, what been, are, as, as, a, as a marijuana virgin, <laughs> what so are the it, best edibles, Leo? The best edibles, uh, they generally come in, like, snack or candy form. Mm-hmm. That's usually the best way to enjoy them. If you don't know specifically what they are, they're uh, those items infused with the THC from marijuana, which is what gets you high. So, well, yeah, but like, is it better to have a muffin or is it better to have a brownie? It's your preference, really. Which one do you like better, a muffin or a brownie? Well, I don't fucking know. I'm just like fascinated by the. It's like yeah. it's all infused in there the same. I'm fascinated too, Leo, and I also have a business proposal, and I think I think we can learn from domestic girlfriend and from Japanese medicine, really. <laughs> and obviously, like the most direct way to experience an edible is through your butt, so we should make edible suppositories. Oh I think. Oh my god! Oh. Have you guys seen Future Man? No. no. Okay, there's no? a scene in Future Man where the guy, this guy is a chef, and he's like, "I I love cocaine so much." But I can't snort it through my nose because I'm losing my sense of smell. And so <laughs> he starts shooting cocaine up his butt. Oh, man. <laughs> That's when you know you've hit the rock bottom. <laughs> it just reminded me of that. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Enough of the illegal drugs still talk. <laughs> well, it yes. depends on what state you're in. <laughs> Oh, look, TurboTax is calling me because I requested the call back, and of course they took way too long. Fuck you, TurboTax. Let's move on to nonsense. <laughs> uh, I'll start off. Um, I historically respect the Dark Souls series of video games, yet hate playing them with a passion because they are shitty. Understandable, I played them. Oh man, wouldn't it be awesome to watch Cat play one? She would oh just die God. and throw the controller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be interesting even like, even with like both of us trying to coach her through it it would be awful <laughs> like it takes i don't know they're like even those games they take like a long time and then something eventually clicks and you start to get better um but i feel like with their latest game from from software sekiro shadows die twice which is the one that's basically set in uh sengoku sure Jidai, japan Sekiro, yes. Okay. Um, it's set in so like the Warring States period of Japan. You're you're this shinobi who is like indebted to a young master, um, and you are given the ability to resurrect from the dead as long as you like serve this like young master. Um, and you basically it, the the thing I like about this game compared to other Dark Souls and like Bloodborne games is it's like way more focused in terms of story. Like, all of those games have a bunch of different starting characters and, like, a bunch of different, like, builds, and they're much more, like, RPGs and stuff, role-playing. Wouldn't you say the other game, it's more, like, lore instead? 
Yeah, there's still lore here, but it's it's mostly delivered through characters actually like talking to you about it. That's Um, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, which I I just I don't know. I like it more because it's more focused, um, and it's just like I just think the story's better. (laughs) Like (laughs) I know I could go digging through like lore videos and item descriptions in Bloodborne and Dark Souls and find like some really crazy stuff in there, and that's great. But I love it when it's just like being delivered to me from a character I think is interesting more and in inside the game. Um, and it's not like it tells you everything though. The game shows you a lot too. Um, but yeah, like, ah, oh man, I love this game so much. It's, it's, it's like you're playing like Yaki Maru from Dororo. <laughs> you have a prosthetic left arm, which you can attach like various tools to like axes and like spears and uh, flamethrower and all this stuff. And like many more, um and like yeah you just have to progress through the game by like beating increasingly more difficult like samurai and then like spearmen and then like monks and then like it just gets crazy at a certain point where the enemies are like so ridiculous that it's like oh this is like a dark souls game um but man i love it so much because like you are constantly you you can't do the thing that you do in dark souls where you like go in, get two hits, and then, like, back away, and then go in and get two hits. Okay. Like, you really need to focus on blocking and parrying your opponent's, like, strikes because that is the fastest way and the easiest way to take them down because they have two meters. They have their health meter, which, like, yeah, you can get hits in. You can eventually take their health all the way down. But they also have a meter called poise, which is, like, how well they are, like, block able to block your attacks and, like, parry you and stuff. So if you make if you force them to parry you a bunch or if you parry their attacks or dodge their attacks and counterattack, you take their poise meter down really quickly. And then once their poise meter is at the bottom, you can get a death blow on them, which is like a really cool animation of like you like slicing into their neck or like plunging your sword into their chest or something. And it's just yeah. the best. It's so good. <laughs> um it's so great because like it makes you feel like oh if i'm just like a stalwart defender and i like keep up the attack like just keep up the pressure on my opponent i don't even need to take his health all the way down i just need to like force them to break basically Yeah, the game kind of rewards you to do that yeah it's so good it is it's a steep learning curve but man it's been so much fun i feel like Uh, i lost the thread of what's happening a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say you have you noticed how quiet Kat's been as you talked about that whole thing? <laughs> that was her every time Brains and I started talking about video games. Just <laughs> duh, she's zoned out. She's not even there anymore. I just don't know what anyone's talking about. They just stand if, there and I'm Kat, like... What if I told you this game is about gathering beads so you can make necklaces to make yourself stronger? <laughs> okay, that's... I don't... I, I have four of those so far. Okay. Okay, what'd you get anyway. into, Kat? Oh, okay. So I watched the horror movie Us this weekend. Have you guys seen this yet? No, I've seen Get Out, though, and I really want to see Us. Us? You need to immediately go to a theater and see this fucking movie. Yeah, I've heard. It's great. It's better than great. It's like, oh, my God. It's so fucked up. Okay, I've seen things about this. And, like... I was in the theater with my friend, and we we went to Flick's Brew House, one of my favorite places. Got us a giant pitcher of this, uh, my favorite cider. It's called Weiner's Reposado Cider. It is 
fucking bomb because it's like cider that's been bastardized by tequila. So it's pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're like half, we're like drinking it and we're getting trashed. And like there's points in it where it scares the fuck out of you. And I'd be like, no, and like scream at the screen as I do. Oh, and you're like, that person. <laughs> I hate you already. <laughs> everyone hates me when I go to theaters. And everyone kept turning around like, does she need, is she okay? <laughs> <laughs> has she had was, too much? <laughs> I was so enamored with this movie because I can usually control it and at least be pretty quiet. But this movie was so good that I like was just flipping my shit. Like hmm. it's, I'm going to buy it if that tells you anything. Oh, cool. Nice. So Yeah, I'll definitely go see that. Um, I'm pretty hype about seeing that. And, and I don't even really usually like horror movies, but when I hear one's like really interesting and doing something different, I'll definitely go see it. And then every time you're on the street for days afterwards, you'll look around and be like, is there someone with scissors coming towards me right now? Oh, that's great. That's just what we needed in today's modern society is more people to be paranoid about everybody around them. That's perfect. <laughs> That's just what we needed right now. Oh, God. Oh, it's amazing. You ever want to see it. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, what Is else? It? No, yeah. you, Leo, you got something. Oh, yeah, okay. Leo. So I went to the movies, too. I watched Captain Marvel, and... Uh, eh. This oh, yeah. That's fine. That's a lot of people's reaction to that movie. Is, oh, meh. I don't know. I liked it. Like, it, the, the cat was amazing. The cat's... Well, it's a fucking cat. Of course it's amazing. <laughs> it's a cat that, like, can eat people it's not a cat it's like a flirtamon like or like something weird is what they called it squid monster in a cat's body <laughs> Ooh. It, okay so the, now the, you're talking the cat's cool but like the whole movie like it would throw a joke out there and they would deliver the punchline and like i wouldn't even like crack a smile and mm. nobody else in the theater would even laugh at him either so i don't know i mean like at the most out of me i think i was like a <laughs> And like I yeah. may have been the only one in there. Uh it's it's really like a a pro woman, but yeah. like it's maybe a little too aggressive with I it. I didn't think it was too aggressive. I don't know. Well when I thought about it and really tried to analyze it, I'm like, man, they're really shoving it in your face at times. See, I did not really notice that at all. Like, it, the only thing that seemed pro-woman to me was just that there was female characters in it. But it wasn't like they were trying to shove it in your face. Like, women are the ones doing everything. It's just okay, they not women. Not technically really a spoiler because it doesn't reveal in really much. But the whole scene with them trying to become women fighter pilots and then they couldn't because they were women... Well, but like, that was a real they, thing that used to they, happen. Yeah, but they specifically brought that up like five times. <laughs> and I was like, I got it the first two, guys. It's it's fine. It's cool. I'm totally pro-woman. You know, Leo's whatever. like, I've seen Hisone Tomasotan. I know what this is about. was <laughs> like, this is not about me. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I think what I enjoyed about it was just more story to the Marvel Universe. And that's really what I got the most out of it. So not really Gosh. too much of me, but really what I want to talk about is I want to give a shout out to Mysteria Friends. I just, I just really like that lesbian etchy romance show and they do <laughs> really dial back the etchy after like that second episode where she has the sickness in the bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but what really grabbed my attention is uh, Side Games Pictures, the uh, studio behind it. Mm-hmm. They are just destroying it with animation and the quality of this animation. 
Mm-hmm. It is absolutely beautiful. Like just a, a mo- some of the episodes are, are mostly just these camera panning across this like beautiful scenery and stuff like that. It's like what it mostly is. It's like I just I, I have a lot of hopes for this studio. Like it's like they just they just built it and they did like something small and then they did this, which is like kind of a next step. I, yeah. I would think their next step is Zen. Uh, like you know, doing a a twelve episode, twenty four minute show, full shows, mm-hmm. and they and I feel like this was just kind of just being a practice run for them. And then this is what their practice run looks like. Oh, I I really can't wait when they <laughs> when they really let loose. You know how beautiful or something it's going to be. So yeah, I'm, I want to. I'm, I'm really invested in this studio, and I want to see what they can do next. Well, Basically. they're going to make series that will like support their game IPs, and like the thing is, they have so much money to do it because Psy Games makes a ton of yeah. money off of mobile games and stuff. So, I mean, um, that's how Rage of yeah. Bahamut got made. They just threw money at it, and it worked. Exactly. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it's good. All right, yeah. all right. Speaking about throwing money at it, let's watch some. Uh, let's talk about some other anime that actually did get made because people threw money at them. Yeah, it's great. That was a terrible transition. Because I know. I'll work <laughs> on it. Uh, we start off with Mob Psycho 102, uh, episode 9. Show me what you've got. Band together. Uh, so it's time for Cat to get mad. <laughs> I know! I was so I saw this. It's the first thing they do in the episode. They're like, mm-hmm. that shit we did last episode, let's draw, dial it back, rewind. I'm like, you fucker. all i gotta say is i told you they're not dead they're not dead there's no way (laughs) like cat and i held out hope but even we last week were like "Mm." they always do the trend like the the weird it's like the same every anime why can't an anime like just they they do something fucked up and they stick to it and they're like yep that's what we did a cliche uh cliffhanger is basically what it was. The only show yeah. I've seen really do that is Berserk, and the re- that's why I love Berserk. Is you're like, what? Wait, they're they're going with this? Yeah. Surely this, is- and then they're like, yeah, no, we're doing it. Like, at least they did it. Yeah. I don't know. No, yeah, I appreciate it when shows like really do something out of left field and like stick with it and are like, no, we're not gonna walk this back. But that's <laughs> not the case here. It was more of like a teaching moment. This episode is weird because it introduces, like, so many new things. So let me get into it. Um, so, yeah, Dimple tells Mob that – well, Dimple, Dimple lies to Mob, let's be clear, because he doesn't know that these aren't Mob's family's bodies, like, burning in the fire. He but halfway he, knew. Well, he had a he, hunch. He, he kind of has, yeah, a, he had like, an a inkling. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. But he knows that, like, he needs to stop Mob from, like, going off a cliff over, like, 100 question mark percent. So um, he, he lied yeah. for the good. Yeah, At least exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty like white lie, yeah. Um and yeah, Mob uses like this new sonar sonar ability to like locate that his someone in the city. I thought he was locating his family, but he said oh, I found them and then they go and they find like these claw dudes who are on the street. Um and like while he's they're chasing them down, like another one shows up at uh Teruki Hanazawa's house and attacks him as well. But they cut from that to Mob, like, shooting down, like, a comet in front of these claw members with his, like, spiky hair and everything. And, yeah, one of these claw guys has spiky hair, like, huge, weird spiky hair. And he used, like, electricity attacks or whatever. Um, But Mob, like, reverses the attack on him. 
basically. And he's like, I'm not interested. Use something else. And like, this guy doesn't have anything else. So mom just throws him off of like three skyscrapers, like a ping pong ball, which is damn. Um, so mob moves on to the next guy who has like energy armor and says he like fights with his fists. Like he rips off his shirt. Uh, and mob is just like bored of these guys and just punches this guy out like instantly. Um, and so, like, the spiky-haired dude called in backup, but before they arrive, these two dudes named Koyama and Sakurai drive up, and they're former members of Claw and ask Mob if he needs help. Um, and Mob's like, is my family at the place that you're driving to? And when they say no, he just, like, instantly stops the car with his powers, like, like the back wheels go flying up into the air. And they're, like, quickly, like, no, but, like, your friends and, like, Reagan are there. And he's like, oh, I guess we should hurry. So then he, like, turns the car into, like, a hovercraft and, like, jets them off. Like, Mob's, like, going nuts right now. Um, it's pretty scary how powerful he is when he is in this mode. Um, so, yeah, right. once they arrive, uh, Dimple explains the situation and Reagan pulls Dimple aside to ask him, like, hey, were you actually lying about mob families being dummies? Because how could you know? And Dimple's like, yeah, I think I suspect it might be true that they're alive. And Reagan decides to play along and tells mob, like, yeah, I think your family's fine, too. And mob mm-hmm. finally relaxes and falls asleep and goes to, like, 2% from 100%. Which seems so, weird to me that you go to 2% what? from 100%. Well, I feel like he's done that before where he just, like, completely resets. Yeah, well- like yeah. once he goes 100 percent and he goes through like his face and he yeah like you say he just, just resets. He didn't do that much. Like he's done a lot more before. I don't know. He mopped the floor with those dudes. Uh, they calmed. They calmed him down though. Like I guess like he saw like oh the threat is over for the time being. Like my family's fine. I guess so this whole episode sleep. just seemed convoluted to me. Like I agree. Yeah, it was not a good episode, and it should have been. Yeah. I was just I think well, it's weird. I think it's so, a, it's a this is more of a, one of those setup type episodes where like it's yeah. setting everything up for like the next couple yeah. episodes to be like some grand battle and stuff like that. You know, for a setup episode, I had a hard time keeping track of what was going on. I, I totally agree. Um, I was going to talk about it later, but like I really appreciate an Amazon Prime video when you can pause any scene and see what cast members are in that scene oh, and that what their cool. names are. <laughs> I was using that for Dororo, and I was like, oh my god, if I had had that for Mob, <laughs> I would be so happy yeah, right now. Yeah, because there are a lot of sh- like people that show up that I'm like, wait, were these people in the first <laughs> season and I've forgotten about them? I think most of them are new. Um, uh, yeah, I was like, some of them I know are new. Some of them I feel like we're supposed to know who they are, and I don't because it's been too long. It's Yeah, it's a bunch of cast from the first season. Yeah, there's like all these former members of Claw who call themselves like Scars or former Scars. They all have scars on their faces. And they've been attacked by the like the mainline Claw for leaving Claw. And they decided, like, oh, we need a strong leader to guide us. And, like, they're like, yeah, we saw Reagan on TV, like, giving it to the media. And we're like, this guy's a genius. We need to ask him to become our leader. Uh, And also Reagan's, like, office has been, like, burnt down because because of this. And, like, he was just about to get some renovations done or something. I I like that moment where he brings the guy who's going to, like, look at the building to do some renovations. He's like, oh, that's my office. And it's, like, on fire. (laughs) It's pretty bad. So, at this point, Teru shows up carrying the guy who attacked him earlier, and they torture the guy and get him, like, 
to talk, basically using a form of like waterboarding. Okay, like, but it's yeah. fucked up because they they're using yeah. they're not using a form of waterboarding. They're using waterboarding. <laughs> And, well, and waterboarding like, is like specifically when you put like I thought it was specifically when you put like a towel over somebody's face and then dunk water in. I think it's supposed that, to be it like specifically what the most common thing they do is they put you like in a weird like ramp like decline where your head is like down and your feet are above your head. Well, if nobody mm. knew how to waterboard now, they sure do. Well, but that, that, <laughs> I mean that's the same <laughs> idea, right? Like you you make them feel like they're drowning. And then yeah. you pull them back up, so they're waterboarding him, and, and then like try That's to make it said, a, yeah. try to make it a joke, like ha ha, yeah. it's funny. And I'm like, well, I mean, I hate to be a party pooper, like I'll I'll laugh at a lot of things, but I was kind of like, is it funny though, or is it fucked up? This reminded me of a scene from <laughs> Grand, Grand Theft Auto V, the video game, where you as the player are supposed to like torture a guy as part of a mission. And it's played off as kind of a joke, and like it got so much. Uh, oh, really? I thought it would yeah. be placed further than the universe when that one girl's mom waterboarded to wake her up. Oh yeah, that was actually funny. <laughs> <laughs> I guess place further than the universe kind of pulled it off. This one was a little like awkward. yeah, not so much. Yeah. I was the same too. I was like, you actually guys are making me feel a little uneasy about this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know I'm supposed to find it funny, but it, it's not getting me there. And I'll laugh at a lot of dark shit, so. Uh, so in the fictional world of mob, torture works. And so he says that the he says the claw boss was collecting foreign espers from around the world to form an army. And then they cut, and we, we see two of these foreign claw squad members named Joseph and Udo. And they're introduced to the and oh and after we see them they they just say like an introduction thing they're like on the top of a building and they're like this is our character introduction and then they cut away <laughs> and it's like we're introduced to the claw boss who is Toichiro Suzuki um, and then he's like at this like rally basically talking about like their plans and then one of Claw's ultimate five underlings uh, named Hatori uses his power to control electronic devices to hack the airwaves and broadcast the boss's speech on all of the channels in Japan, I guess. Um, and he plans to control the world with psychic powers and rule over the powerless. And apparently his first step in doing that is destroying all of Japan. Great plan, I guess. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, so the claw boss's son is that kid with orange hair, Sho Suzuki, who's been hanging out with Ritsu. Or who met Ritsu earlier and like at the house and like took his family away, <laughs> whatever. Uh, hang, hanging out with is probably not the right term. Uh, he's pissed at his dad's broadcast though, saying that he like embarrassed him. So there's like some friction there. And Sho told Mob's uh, or said that Mob's parents, um, uh, like, oh sorry, he told them that Ritsu won a free onsen vacation, and so like they're like. They don't. They think they just got taken away from the house because they're going on a free vacation and they're just like eating like sushi at an onsen right now and they, they're great. Um, they're fine. So apparently the boss is like super smart plan is for each of his 600 espers to fight 1,000 Japanese policemen because there's like 600,000 armed police in Japan or whatever or army. Yeah, and he's like, easy peasy. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's going to go so well. Um Joseph, who is one of the foreigner squad, thinks this idea is dumb, like we do, and their faction decides to mutiny against Claw's upper echelon. Uh, so we see Udo's power, his like psychic powers, to become like super super jacked, and like he kicks some ass, and he does manage to like take down a bunch of like the division leaders of Claw, 
However, Joseph goes and meets, like, the boss, Suzuki, in the hall, and is overcome by this umbrella dude from the uh, Ultimate Five named Serizawa. And also, like, these two other Ultimate Five members, Minegishi and Shibata, like, attack uh, Udo at the same time. Uh, and then, like, Serizawa blasts Joseph out of the building with, like, a Kamehameha from his umbrella, but he's still alive. I guess he survived it. Funnily enough, the Scars didn't have the TV on, so they missed, like, the whole Claw broadcast, which is just, like, a little joke. And they're just eating dinner. But meanwhile, the Prime Minister of Japan is giving uh, a speech about female empowerment and paid childcare. And I was like, oh, this is progressive for Japan. And then another member of the Ultimate Five shows up named Shimazaki, who seems to be, like, the main one. Uh, and his voice was instantly recognizable to me because it's Noriaki Sugiyama who plays Amiya Shiro in Fate Stay Night. And, like, his voice is just, if you've played the, like, the a million hours of that visual novel, you will never not recognize his stupid voice. So, yeah. His stupid the secret, voice. <laughs> it's annoying. It's a grating voice. Uh, it's very, it stands out, so I understand why he keeps getting work, though. Um, the Secret Service rush on stage to protect the Prime Minister and fire shots at Shimazaki. Uh, and he's blind, but he can predict their movements, and he dodges, like, every bullet. And then he grabs the time prime minister and he's like, oh, my other power is to teleport. And he teleports him away. But uh, Teru was watching the broadcast on TV, apparently, and then sensed them in the park when they teleported. So he gets there uh, to attack Shimazaki. But Shimazaki, like, manhandles him. Like, he uses his teleportation to make the fight, like, a cakewalk. And, like, Teru's like, well, I'll put up this multi-layer barrier. He'll never be able to get through it. And Shimazaki just teleports inside the barrier and, like, Punch him in the, punches him in the stomach. He's like, oh, you're pretty good, aren't you? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. then punches him. And then the episode ends as he, like, teleports away with the Prime Minister. So, yeah, it was, like, it was just this huge setup episode that introduced, like, a ton of characters. It was too much. I couldn't yeah. keep track of it. I don't know. It was dumb. I hate when episodes introduce this many characters at the same time. I especially hate it when it's, like, the first episode of an anime because it's, like, you're doing this all wrong. But even at this point, I'm, like... I'm not even going to list all these characters' names in for the podcast because, like, who knows if any of these guys are important. I, I'm only going to talk about the people that actually had, like, anything to do with this episode. So, I don't know. Well, I think it compounded on that it didn't just introduce new characters. It brought back a bunch that we've kind of sort of forgotten. Yeah. So, it felt like way, way more new things were, like, introduced. And maybe not so much. But. I've definitely forgotten, like, a lot of stuff from first season. Yeah, so if, like, yeah. I did a lot of glancing at my... Uh, a third screen where I had my anime list up like who was this again <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it, was, it was difficult cause you it could... was a lot of that yeah <laughs> I'm pretty hear sure the faint sounds of my neighbor screaming in the background one of my neighbors has like this stupid 13 year old kid who's going through like the preteen brat phase <laughs> and she keeps coming home and just like screaming and I, and I almost want to tell her, like, everyone in this fucking apartment complex can hear you screaming at your family, you fucking bitch. Shut <laughs> up. Like, I've had neighbors go through those times before, and it's annoying. It's really annoying. I'm glad I don't live in an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, let's move on. I've got another show. Run with the Wind, episode 20. Even if I break. Um, all right, so... We pick up from that handoff from Jota to Joji, uh, where Jota's like, I think Hana likes me. And Joji, like, screams and runs off. Um, oh, and he's, yeah. like, super thrown off by this. 
<laughs> he's not he's like not running well. He's all up in his head about Hanako. Uh and like the rest of the team were kind of annoyed at Jota for like throwing Joji off of his game like well, that. He should have kept his fucking mouth shut. He should have, yeah, <laughs> probably. But it was like definitely. It was a not sudden probably, revelation, you know? Well, okay, he, he was having this inner monologue about how he needed to distance himself from his brother and how he was going to be an adult and blah, blah, blah. And then he does this stupid, immature thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're not an adult at all. But he just put it together. I understand why he was like, I, I, I have to tell him about this. But he probably doesn't know how Joji feels about well, Hana, so. I feel like he probably has some idea. Maybe. I don't I know. I mean, I feel like that was a little bit, like, rub it in your face. Like, she likes me more than you. Like, <laughs> I also like, we hear, like, one of them hears that uh, Hana's, like, going forward to, like, cheer for Joji as well. And they're like, is she a demon? Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't they say, like, is she Godzilla or something? And I'm just oh, like, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, is she Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Joji's trying to convince himself that, oh, I just like Hana as a friend. And, and I'm like, she was no, just friends with both of us don't. twins. You yeah. stupid idiot. Yeah. Yeah, he flashes back to this time when, like, Han is cooking something in the kitchen, and he's talking with her, and he asks her, like, how do you tell us twins apart? Like, you always seem to know who I am. And she says, well, it's never been a problem to separate you guys, because what I like about each of you is... And then she trails off. Um, but I think what she's about to say is, like, what I like, what I like about each of you is different. And I think that's going to be the key to this whole thing. Like, she likes both of them, but she likes them in different ways. Um... And, but she gets, like, flustered and blushes because, like, uh, Jota comes in and said, like, hey, we're going to do fireworks. And she runs off. But it's I think it's clear what she was trying to get across. Um, meanwhile, the coach catches up with Joji in the car with, like, the loudspeakers. And he has a message from Kakaru, of all people. Like, Kakaru, man, I guess he understands love on a deep level. Because he tells Joji, like, if you like her, run. And Joji's like, that asshole. But then he runs, like, really fast. (laughs) I love how the guy who's reading it, he's like, it's just what it says on the thing. (laughs) And he, like, (laughs) he's so unenthused. He's like, I'm too old for this shit. (laughs) Well, and the guy in, like, the the driver's seat has given him, like, a side eye when he hears this dude. why are you doing this? And he's just like, listen, it's just what it says. Like... (laughs) It's just these are two college students, man. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Uh, so the other problem, of course, is that Shindo still has his fever. Um, Haiji gets on the phone with him, but there's really nothing to say. Uh, meanwhile, Shindo's family is up in like the snowy north of Japan, and they're gathered around TV watching him. And Shindo looks this at texts from his so little much. sister. It was a bit much, you think? No, it killed um, him. Right? I, I mean, even you have a little bit of a heart. Just go on. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, interesting. Uh, Sh- Shindo looks at text from, his, text from his little sister who's like cheering him on to finish in like first place. And so like, that's part of his motivation. Uh, meanwhile, Rikudo has fallen back to third place overall, which I feel is important to mention since like Kaku is probably going to need a buffer at the end of this race if he's going to take on like um, Kazuma, Fujioka and everything in the final episodes. So it's important that they're like falling back a little bit now, I feel. Um, Shindo takes off his scarf and jacket to get ready to run 
and literally almost faints into Yuki's arms, like, immediately. <laughs> but, like, regardless, he promises, like, I'm going to make it to the end of Section 5 no matter Man, what it they're takes. They're just playing up the drama so Okay, hard. but, like, it's... How can you have watched this and not been moved by this, Leo? Like, Because well, I'm was, not invested. Well, my question is, like, how do you make this interesting without doing dramatic things like this? Like, how Just, do you make, like, ten guys running, like, similar sections do, of a do race something interesting? something else that's not ten guys running. Well, yeah, exactly. You do this show by doing this. <laughs> like, you have to make it dramatic. Like, I think him having a fever like, is maybe a little unrealistic. But, like, think about, like, Michael Jordan playing uh, playoff basketball games with a fever. Like, those yeah, are, did, like, immortal did, sports moments. Doesn't he have a famous story where, like, he played this one game sick and it was, like, his best game ever? Yeah, yeah, that's the game I'm talking about. He scored, like, 60 points or something, or 50 points. Uh, against, I can't remember, Detroit, maybe? I can't remember who it was. Yeah, but he, that's not what... What's-his-name is doing here? He's fucking, <laughs> fucking up bad. He can barely run. Well, he just needs to run... He just has. He just needs to make it. That's all he really needs to do. Um, but, like, yeah, when he passes the... When Joji passes the sash to Shindo, he realized that Shindo was, like, burning even hotter than him, who had just run an entire leg of the race. And he's like, man, he's in bad shape. Well, because um, then he feels ashamed as fuck, as he should, because yeah. he's sitting here being like, let me waste time and let me waste <laughs> things on this bullshit that doesn't matter. And then this other guy comes along and he's like, I may die trying to run this fucking leg of the race. <laughs> Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't and you Shindo's, feel bad? Oh yeah, I would feel bad too. Like, now uh, he do, yeah. he is a little dramatic. Like I absolutely love the parts where he's like trying to run and it's hard. That I didn't feel like was over dramatic. I felt like Joji's reaction and being all upset and like screaming and hitting the ground was a yeah. little over the top. I thought that was a little over the top too. I, I mean, was like, I see they're at the peak of their emotions right now, but that seemed like slightly over the top. Yeah, I yeah. was like, stopping a baby, like get this, off this, off the ground. To be fair, Joji is a baby. <laughs> this that, okay. This still isn't the scene where I was finding like, for fuck's sake, stop already. Interesting. I'll wait, to, well, I'll wait till you get there. We'll get there. So Shindo's family is watching him on TV. Oh my um, god, the family killed me. The well, oh. they're like yep. horrified, right? And this is where I was like. Give me a fucking break. Like his mom's crying. But when his sister's like, no, or yelled something, I was like, fuck this show. God damn it. No, you know what that is? You know what that is, Leo? That's your heart caring, giving a fuck and you being angry. I, that, no, that's I'm like, later in the episode. He's that just makes sense. sick. He has a really bad cold. Why is he's well, that's not, they, right. That doesn't happen at this point in the episode. That's not what they're doing. That's not what they're reacting it's to. Not. He had, just has a really bad cold. He's running a marathon and he's sick as fuck. And like, it's not just oh, he has a cold. Okay, yeah, like, but again, Leo is you're reacting stupid. to the wrong part of the episode. Can I get to the actual part of the episode <laughs> yeah, like, where they reacted to up this? My flow. <laughs> <laughs> the coach, so like, the coach has a message for Shindo, who looks like a zombie. His family is just like staring at him in disbelief. That's all they do at this point, and they're like, "Why is he even running? Like, he looks terrible." And the coach has a message from for Shindo, and it's like philosophy centered around oh, like the yeah. Japanese board game Go, where it's like, oh, yeah, it's very honorable to fight hard, but secure." like an exit for yourself it's like it's more honorable to lose in like a strong way than to like go on and look weak or something and he's like he basically says like put your hand up if you want to stop running 
Um, and meanwhile, like the leaders are approaching the finish line and like a school called Bozo finishes in first place. Um, no clowns go to that school, surprisingly. Uh, and then Kakaru and I just see on the viewing screen that the coach has gotten out of the car oh, and is jogging alongside part, Shindo now. This part killed me so much. He like got out and jogged with him. It and so, killed me. Yeah, Shindo stops running. He oh like stops God. running and hunches over to catch his breath. And the coach is like, you've done well enough. That's it. You don't need to go any farther. Uh, and he like slowly and dramatically reaches his hand out as like this, the, the anime cuts through like a whole bunch of scenes of like every member of the team watching and like thinking like, oh shit, our whole dream is ending right now. Well, I think and then, like, if, his, if he touches him, it's oh, like he, he's disqualified, yeah, he's disqu- right? disqualified. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then Shindo's family crying and then his sister yelling out like. And Shindo thinks to himself, they're all waiting for me. And he starts running again. That's mm-hmm. when they cry out, when they think, like, he's going to stop running. That's a much different thing than, like, oh, he's just, like, sick and no, running. No, the sister does cry out before, too, because she sees him almost pass out at yeah. one point. That's what I reacted to. And, yeah. and somebody with only a slight medical background, I'm like, fucking stop that dude. Yeah, he should I not agree. be running. What? What? All of you are standing well, right here because crying because of- he's trying so hard. Fucking, you idiots! Get out there and stop him now. But you there's something horrible in trying so hard. You don't want to ruin that for him. Yeah, but he could like literally like die. Well, but <laughs> you, you understand why they want to let him do it, even though it's bad, right? It's like the whole yeah. spirit of. I do, but like yeah. I said, having slight medical background, I'm like, no, you stop him regardless. I don't care about his goddamn pride. <laughs> the part yeah. where he gets out and jogs next to him like i sniffled a little bit mm-hmm. and i was watching this with someone they looked over and they're like are you gonna fucking cry and i was like no <laughs> i'm not <laughs> i'm done this is a good episode this was amazing it is a good episode um and so like he thinks to himself because like all of the runners are coming to terms with like why they run and he's basically like do i run why do I keep running because with all this pain and everything? And it's, is it for my friends? Is it for my goals? Is it for myself? Or maybe it's just, I'm stubborn and prideful. He's not really sure. Like it's one of many of those things, but he just keeps yeah. going regardless. Well, um, that's like bringing home the whole idea of this anime again. Like, mm-hmm. that, like the whole idea of sports is not to win. It's the struggle, which I think yeah. is an amazing theme of a sports anime that i've never seen before like it doesn't it doesn't have to be about winning because all sports anime other than this one that i've ever watched have been about winning most of them yeah almost all of them yeah yeah that's like the main thing that i mean there's other things in there but the main goal of the anime is we're gonna win this thing that's not really the main goal of this no so maybe they will (laughs) i doubt it though no they're not gonna win uh shindo reaches the finish line and collapses in a heap after running 20.7 kilometers with a fever which is just insane uh, and he's like recovering on a futon in an inn by lake ashi which is the halfway point and like once he's awake they call the rest of the team i like how they like lined up three cell phones for three different voice calls simultaneously that was kind of cute um it was uh, everybody's just glad that Shindo's alive. I also really liked how like Shindo's talking to them, and then Haiji like comes into frame, and they all frown. <laughs> They're just like, "Fuck, it's Haiji again. He's gonna say some shit now." Um, and so they they basically decide like, despite the fact that they're further behind now, because obviously they lost placement with Shindo running so slowly, 
Uh, they're determined to make the best of it and try hard tomorrow. And like Shindo starts like the mountains of Hokone chant and everything. But then like the most interesting scene to me at the end of this episode was like they ride the train home like back that night and Haiji had a conversation with Kakuru about his father, who was his track coach in high school. And he's like, oh, yeah, my dad's not a bad person, but he loves track to a fault. And he forced Haiji to run hard every single day until he's, as he puts it, like he eventually broke. He like he screwed up his knee. Um, and that's why this whole time he was focused on running with people who earnestly want to run. And even when like they didn't want to run in the beginning, he bent everyone to his will to achieve that. And so Kakaru tells Haiji, like, he basically tries to take the burden off his shoulders. He says, like, you didn't force anyone to run. And then he, like, he says, like, well, even if you did, I'm grateful for you doing that because it changed my life, basically, is what he's saying. Um, so that was cool. Like, Haiji finally comes clean and is basically like, I forced all these people to do this for my own reasons. And he, like, regrets it. But then Kakaru kind of forgives him for it. Um, and yeah, it ends with like Yuki waking up because he's going to start the next leg. But yeah, this is a pretty good episode, I thought. So this is what amazing. I wrote word for word in the doc. If you are emotionally invested in this show, I can see how this was a great episode. But if you're not, like me, everything and everybody seems so overdramatic about the whole thing. Yeah, it's surprising to me coming from you because like you did cross country running. I never remember being nowhere near this emotional. You know, yeah. I feel well, like I don't you really are get invested in a different way, Leo. You're invested in hating this anime. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm invested in just being bored out of my mind every single episode. This I hate watching the show the the most. I would rather watch Domestic Girlfriend twice. I feel the same way about hot, like this other this dumb <laughs> Kimi Cursor of bullshit. Kimuri Kusa. God. Yeah, let's talk about Kamari Kusa. This was an interesting episode, kind of. It wasn't. So, I, I was will say, I found my episode? eyes glazing over a little bit during this episode. Thanks, even though they, they introduced no, some was, new cool stuff, but I was also really I bored. was really interested in all the new stuff this episode. Yeah. Oh my God. They continue towards the mountain across this like strange grid work of paths that like go over the red fog. I think like the red tree somehow carved these paths. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go up halfway up the mountain and they rest on like Wakaba noses that you can see like islands six and seven from here. And also like that one dead tree that was on one of them. I don't remember which one. <sighs> I don't know what the point <laughs> of him telling that us to that us was. They also said something in a prior episode about how like the joints between the islands are weird. And I was like, is there some connection here? I, I don't know. This is going to be for a grander reveal of like, how, like actually how close these islands are and why they are islands and stuff yeah. like that. So they okay. eventually come across like another blue wall and Wakaba tr- and when Wakaba tries to open another door he like gets attacked by Anushi. If you don't remember it's like the really big bad red bug type. Hmm. But interestingly it's inside the wall and the others can't attack it because the wall is blocking them. Uh it's also just like spreading some of the red mist inside the wall and they decide to like let it disperse before trying to open the wall again and attacking Anushi in one hit. Uh they rest for the night and like Rin talks about using her main body again. If you don't remember, this came up once before, and Ritsu doesn't want her to because it's dangerous. We still don't know what that's about. Well, we kind of find out later in the episode a little bit. Because um, when we meet one of the other sisters, she says, like, if I use this leaf one more time, it's the last time I can use it. So I think if they rain attacks with her main body more, that she risks, like, killing herself, basically. Uh, I guess maybe. So everybody like goes to sleep, but Wakaba gets the first watch and he decides to like wander around trying to think of something that he can do that can help. 
he starts like heading towards the wall and runs into uh, Rio, the oldest sister. Uh, fortunately, she heard from Wakaba from Riku and is the first sister that doesn't try to kill him right away, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Maybe it's because uh, she never opens her eyes and can't see him. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's one of those types that has like the really squinty eyes. Yeah. Uh, apparently, her sense is smell. And even though she says she doesn't like the fight, like she offers to fight Wakaba and like the white one and gets like really excited talking about fighting the red tree and stuff. So like you say you don't want like the fight, but you really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also says she should have died, but got but got saved into like the Kamurikusa that's inside her now. So hmm. yeah, that interesting. was interesting. Something like a hard drive. What the fuck is up with all of these sisters bailing on the main group and just being like, you know what? I'm out. And then they meet up with this dude by chance, all of them magically, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, but, but you're not gonna tell the sisters about yeah, us." It's and weird. He fucking doesn't. That's stupid. Yeah. That's. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if it's because they know what that. Uh, well, actually, they wouldn't. I wonder if they just know some information they haven't revealed yet, which why that would be a bad thing. I mean, a lot of stuff is very mysterious, and Cat yeah. hates being in the dark. I mean, sh- that's why she hates this show. <laughs> and also, uh, uh, Rio Rio also says that she fights one more time; she'll use it all up. Mm-hmm. And then she also says, "Oh, Riku's here around somewhere." Also, uh, and then Rio knows that Wakaba needs to get through the wall somehow, and says they can ask somebody named Ryoko, Ryoku. Sorry. And she like calls her name a couple times and then she just transforms into another sister with like a different outfit and glasses and everything. The transformation was so weird. She like melts into like a gray blob <laughs> and then reforms into like this glasses anime waifu. And I'm like, uh, what? It made me think of the, what's that Terminator? <laughs> Not the T1000. Oh, uh, T2, wait, no, T2000? T1000? I can't remember. I haven't seen <laughs> the, T2 in the a long time. The liquid metal one, yeah. You know what I'm yeah. talking about. <laughs> and it's funny because like, she doesn't really want anything to do with Akaba until she sees him holding her diary. And then she like, she's like, you read the whole thing. And then she wants to kill him. So I was like, okay, now this one wants to kill him. Okay. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she's the one who wrote this, uh, diary and the one that's really curious about this world. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then like the, the cuts away from her wanting to murder him to like the two totally weeping out on like what the <laughs> hell's going on with this world and all her theories she has written in it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> that was pretty good actually. That's yeah. what, yeah, it's totally what they did. Uh, she tells Wakaba he needs to see if he can unlock the memory leaf since it will provide more answers. She doesn't, she can't unlock it herself. Uh, she also tells him the red tree is probably similar to Midori and Wakaba should be able to control it if he can touch it since he can control all the other Kimurikusa. And then Ryoku finally decides the only way to get through the wall is to use a branch from Midori. Hmm. So Wakaba goes back and he tells the others this. Midori is very precious to Ritsu, but she understands it must be done. They go to the wall and they break off a branch from Midori's Kamurikusa. And then Wakaba lures the Nushi out and Ren throws the branch and it just breaks the wall and kills that uh, stupid red creature. Yeah. Yeah. And they walk through, and like for a second, Wakaba sees Ryo, and she says, you did it. But when Ren turns around, she's like gone. And it just like makes you wonder, is this all in Wakaba's head? Yeah, maybe he, only he can see them. Like maybe they really are supposedly gone? dead. Yeah, so yeah. there you go, Kat. I don't know. And uh, it's like, yeah, those two sisters are sharing this one Kamurikusi leaf that they got uh-huh. saved into, it looks like. Because they can only appear when the other one is not 
talking. He's stupid. <laughs> it's not stupid. It's no, just it's really a fun weird. mystery to figure out. But and just one last thing to note: uh, when talking to Ryoku earlier, she did ask if Wakabe was curious about where he came from and what his purpose was. Yeah. He's like, no, but it just makes you wonder. You're like. Yeah, you're only human. Where did you you came out of that damn pipe and you just were? What that's what's going that's on the here? big last mystery. Well, it's not the last mystery, but it's like one of the big mysteries for the end of the show. It's like what is Wakaba? Who what is, is going Wakaba? on? Um, Kat, you're supposed to be feeling these feelings, by the way. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I I also, wish that the whole universe would just explode. Why would you end. wish that? That's so that's I think that's overkill, Kat. Are you no. talking about their universe or our universe? Their universe. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about our universe. And I was no, like, that's a little I'm overreaction. Not, I don't want everyone to die over this stupid piece of trash. <laughs> talking about. That's why I was surprised. Um, so in one of those conversations earlier with Ryoku, the girl with the glasses, um, they're talking about the yellow diary. And I think they did confirm that like she did, she is not the one who whited out that part no. of the diary. So I think my theory about like the Rena doing it is still might be correct, uh, but I'm not sure. Um, and then I also liked Ryoko's voice actress a lot. I looked her up because like she sounded a lot like Renge Miyauchi from uh, No No Biori. It has that like same like really like kind of like country like recognizable voice, but mm-hmm. it's not it's not her. This is like a rookie seiyu has done very little. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Her voice yeah, she also out. does advise to Wakaba that he needs to touch uh, Ren's memory leaf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, she kind of hates me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck touching that. Oh, I like the recurring joke where the white one says, like, Ren's uh, like stubborn or hot headed, and he just reads it out loud. And he's like, "No, he's saying it. He's saying it." Like, but they've done that so many fucking it's, times. It's, it's funny every time to me. They were repeating the same thing I, from the last episode. I it was like literally it. the it's same. A good, it's and a I was good like, repeating oh, no. joke. They're just it's saying short the same thing. And super quick. Again. It's a five it's second scene that they just throw in there, and it's times. good. It's so it's funny every time. Anymore. I'm kind of with Kat on this, where like each time they repeat that joke, I laugh like slightly less to the point where I'm like just barely <laughs> smirking at it now. So it's oh, like, yeah, gosh. <laughs> anyway. So, Tell us about uh, the promised Neverland. The promised Neverland. Something interesting. <laughs> Let's go. Episode uh. nine. Zero three one one four five. Uh Ray is like very shocked to find out Norman is getting shipped out tomorrow, and Norman is just like kind of standing there shocked in silence. Mm. Uh Isabella also lets him know Emma's leg was a clean break, and don't worry, guys, it'll be healed in two months, hopefully by the time of Ray's birthday. <laughs> She's like, evil. Oh. Ray, Don, and Gilda like sit around afterwards trying to figure out what they need to do. Don feels like there is no hope and like Ray is just doing his best to convince himself that they can still do this. Mm-hmm. They're even shocked at like Sister Crone's like they know she's dead somehow. Death, who might have been the only adult ally they might have had at the time. Like they're just their losses just I think surmounted just, so quickly. They're just <laughs> shocked at the idea of death because they know that she's dead and they've never like it's just hard for them like to mm-hmm. comprehend yeah. the idea. Because when you're a kid, it's hard It's hard to come to terms with shit like that. I it think is. that's really what that's about, more than they cared about her or anything. Yeah. Well, like I said, and I also think they thought of it as a sense as, like, she may have been helpful to us, but it, whatever count she was, can't now. Oh, I guess. Yeah. So I think that's Ray's train of thought, because he's kind of a smart little fellow. 
So Norman's like sitting with Emma and reassures her that the plan can still succeed and her leg will be healed in time. And Emma's just like more worried about Norman says he has to come with them, but he just ignores her please and goes to like get her some water. And then finally, like at the sink, you see him like drop to his knees and he's like, you know, shit, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, Ray, Ray tells Gilda and Don to get ready and goes to Emma. And with like determined looks in both their eyes, they say they will have Norman go ahead and escape with them. Norman comes back to the room and Ray tells him tomorrow afternoon they will have him disable his tracking device and pretend to escape by having him hide in the forest. Norman doesn't agree because it will heighten security and they would probably send Ray in his place instead. But then Emma remembers the demon saying that they can only have the highest grade and guesses that they wouldn't ship her because she has a broken leg. So she proposes Ray break his arm or like get a cold or something. I love that way how nobody cheerful they are about it. They're like, well, just break your arm. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. smiling so wide. And I'm just like, this is interesting. <laughs> this is like crazed optimism at this point. <laughs> yeah. So the way they can wrap their minds around it. And Norman is finally convinced to hide out and Ray gives him like the device to break his tracking chip. And it's, it's just looks like a little taser. So it's like shorted out or something. Before we get to the next part, I just want to say, like, so in those scenes where, like, Norman was, like, walking through the hallway to, like, the water fountain or whatever. It was weird. They're doing this third person behind the, like, person camera thing. And I just was, the way Norman walks is so weird. He, like, sways his hips, like, back and forth, like, or, like, he, like, twists too much or something. It's just, like, it's the weirdest walk cycle ever. Like, if you go back and watch that scene, it's just, I couldn't. I was dying laughing, honestly, (laughs) watching this scene. That's not the reaction you're supposed to be having. It's just so awkward looking. I don't know. Oh, man. Well, let me continue to blow your mind. Oh, yeah. This next part is some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Norman finally asked Ray how in the hell he knew about the secrets of the house six years ago. Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> this, is, this is bullshit. Yeah. Ray says, in some cases of infantile amnesia, <laughs> and I'm going to explain what this this is. Act that it is Any a true term. Any time that a fucking an, an anime brings up the term amnesia, you know you're in for some bullshit. Yeah. But this so is the, baby amnesia. <laughs> yeah. So this this is actually a, a literal medical term. It's uh. The, it's just kind of tries to explain why we don't have memories, you know, until we're like, they say two to four and then mostly very, very vague memories up until we're like 10. Mm-hmm. It, it just kind of explains that. But so he says some people still retain some of their memories from being a baby. <laughs> and he was one of them and remembers mm-hmm. seeing the demons and the being divided into groups of five and then going through the tunnels and ending up at the house. So apparently the headquarters is actually through the tunnel and it's surrounded by the adjacent other uh, houses like Isabella's or plants, so to say. Why did they decide to deliver this information in Why this way? Why did they add plot spackle? Because to me, amnesia yeah. is just universal plot spackle. It's like you, you put it in there, you smear it on, you fill the hole. They could have found out this information from, like, Sister Crone in, like, a diary or something, or, like, a note she had left them. We didn't need Ray to have fetus memories. Like, this is the <laughs> dumbest shit. Like, why would you go this far? The, you're like, I know these right. kids are supposed to be special, and, and but, honestly, like, come like, on. it didn't have to be fetus memories. It could have been, like, <laughs> I was one year old, and I remember, like, these weird like demon things like it didn't yeah, have they to be they specifically say he remembers remember, being in a warm lake yeah, he remembers being in the womb like, 
like, I remember being a fetus. They could have been like, I remember being one year old and seeing a creepy demon thing and it like imprinted itself on my mind. It didn't yeah, have to be. Like you said, Become, there's no reason they couldn't have found this out from Crone who yeah. would have known this. Exactly. That's why I was just like, come on. This is insanity. Why are we doing this? But anyway, it was funny. I laughed. (laughs) I love like the dramatic reveal too. They spent so much time on fetus memories. They really did. (laughs) So anyways, Isabella then announces that Norman will be leaving that night just before dinner. Then there's just like a couple random scenes of everybody just like doing stuff like reading or the dishes or just really weird where it finally ends. With Norman, who opens his drawer and finds a pen and a letter inside. Yeah. Mysteriously. That's what it was, right? Yeah. Because it just dropped, this episode at least just drops it there. And the next day, Norman makes his escape by tying the new rope to a tree and running up the wall like he is from Attack on Titan. (laughs) 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 Like, I was was looking at it, I'm like... Did physics stop working in this world? (laughs) (laughs) It was so... Like, I don't understand how even uh, tying the rope to a tree behind him would help him at all. Like... I I don't... It doesn't make any sense. I don't... I I I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense. If there was a tree above the wall, that would help. But but behind him? That makes no sense. I don't know what's the difference between that and not having the rope. I, I don't either, because like you would just fall back. The rope would rope would have slack, and you would. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah, and then he's at the top, and he's like looking out, but you don't get to see what it is yet. And he's just kind of looking out with this like the slightest of a smile on his face. Yeah. And then back at the house, Isabella notices Norman is missing, and opens her little tracking device, and it's just it's this long, tense moment of her looking at, it, and the others looking at her like. Oh, oh, did he do it? Did he do it? And then she just smiles and turns and says, welcome back, Norman. Yeah. Who's just walking up to them. With his weird his, hips. With his no, weird with hips. The eye, you know what I noticed about the, this is the, his really eyes. Haunted mm-hmm. look in his eyes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I noticed that too. But really mostly haunted look in his eyes. And then back Become, inside. You're getting some latent <laughs> tendencies coming to the floor here. Like, I noticed those sexy hips swaying. <laughs> And then they get all, everybody gets back inside. And then Ray, of course, demands an answer. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? And then, like, Norman just, they're just so much funny moments. It's like, you guys are being over dramatic. Where he dramatically walks to the other side of the room. And then oh, he tells I know. Them, he had to, like, pose six times before he would say it. Like, he had so much, like, so many opportunities. And then he'd, like, walk across again and, like, stand in a dramatic way and then pause <laughs> and then he'd like walk across the room again and like stand with his back to them and like finally he said it and i was like god he's like there's a cliff on the other side and, and then it cuts to a shot seconds to of say him that. on top of the wall and there's literally just this huge drop off and expanse that like there's no way to get across and then like the rest of the forest and that's how but the episode can, ends they can get around this they could just like throw like something on the other side, like a lasso, and lasso it to one of those trees. And I don't know. It looked fucking huge. I mean, they can figure it out. They're smart. I don't know. There's a ways to get around this. I just my, don't my, know if they're going to get thought, around it. My first time. thought was he's up on the wall. Let's go ahead and run down the wall and see if this is com- 
100% around the whole place. Yeah. Probably is, but let's, you know, pursue our options here. That is a good idea. That would have been a good idea. Although I guess that, eventually someone might notice you running on the top. I'm yeah. Not sure. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, that's why they don't have security because they know they can't get out. So they probably wouldn't. Yeah. So all I've been thinking, well, didn't they say like they're the, the base was like full, like swarming with adults and stuff too. Um, Lots adult, of adults like, and demons. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was interesting information. I think the best um, way say, for them to get out would be the base because no one would be expecting mm-hmm. it. Probably, but they would have they would need like different clothes or something. Probably, I don't know. Um, okay, so for the past five minutes, I've just been laughing at my own joke inside my head. You know that Fallout Boy song? Thanks for the memories. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm calling this episode "Thanks Fetus Memories." Oh god. <laughs> Oh, no. And, like, I'm going to spell it in that stupid Fallout Boy way where there's, like, no, uh, there's no, um, vowels in the words. <laughs> it's the best. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Oh, man. <laughs> I've just been singing the song in my head, like, I got those memories when I was a fetus. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just All right, we, my we need to take a break and compose ourselves. I think Jesus Christ. needs to snap back to reality. <laughs> oh, there goes gravity. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk to you, you in a little bit. <laughs> so, right. And you're right back. Hey, we're going to break, guys. We'll see you in a bit. <laughs> the Trash Pandas bring you this nugget from another trash can. What happens when Brains and Bullets discuss episode two of One Punch Man? Pretty much gene splicing heads. They will. Oh. Sp- yep. 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 Yeah. They will splice genes. They have a a cyborg gorilla. They have frog that walks on two legs and communicates at long range. Like they got, you think it? They the splice, lion king. Yeah, they they have the lion. They have a lion beast king, and Simba. Yeah, he's Simba. I don't mean he's Simba. I mean he's Simba. We at Trash Pandas watch anime. Dig through the trash so you don't have to. You can find the Trash Pandas Watch Anime podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter where we'll get live updates from what we do. Hey. Hey. Do you like wrestling? Whether it be in a bar, an arena, some weird place in Asia, or in a stadium. All of the occasional penis plex. Well, if any of these things might tickle your fancy, anywhere in between from penises to wrestling, you can come and check out our podcast. Our podcast name is Smack It Down. We talk all things WWE, New Japan, anything else in between. I'm Jay Silver. I'm Corey Gold. And we look forward to you joining us. Happy Rusev Day. Happy Rusev Day, indeed. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. Guess who's back? Dora's back, back with again. the Dora the Explorer live action Guess movie. Guess who's back? <laughs> oh, shit. Which, like, oh, I don't know. I don't like it. Uh. That's that's all I have to say. I, I just know that's going to trigger certain people. <laughs> <laughs> listen to this podcast i'm just saying it for them (laughs) stop it you dumb cat don't sit on me oh cat got triggered cat loves dorothy explorer at least he did it after the clap (laughs) 
<laughs> at uh, least he did it after the clap. That's true. Maybe he's learning. Maybe he's like, oh, I have to wait until after she does the thing that scares me. Maybe your cat's yeah, I hope your you stand. enjoyed that at the end of a couple podcasts ago. Uh, put in a little snippet there of cat just getting mauled by her cat <laughs> uh, and screaming into the microphone. It was pretty great. Oh, Which episode was okay. that? I think that was 83. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So. Okay. It's around there anyway. It's one of those. So, Kat, tell us about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh my gosh! Okay, so this this episode gave us one of the most amazing memes ever. Oh, one We're thing. Get... We skipped uh, the week 21 and a half recap episode. Uh, no so one needs yeah. that shit. Yeah, I don't so, know. I, it's just an excuse for them to have more time. Like, to give fine. them a break. Like, I yeah, get it's it. Right. It's hard. Yeah. But, like, we, hard. We, don't, we don't need to cover that bullshit. So... Yeah. Like, Turn, okay. 22 now. They all, all start out on the boat. They're setting off. I'm on a boat. And then yeah, I got my swim all, trunks and my flippy all floppies. On a, boat. on a boat. That's like another song. Isn't that yeah, like that Lonely from Island? Many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm on a boat. I got my swim trunks and my flippy floppies. It's very clear from this episode we all stopped listening to the music in like 2011 <laughs> or something. <laughs> we all peaked. Since. That's when we all peaked. Um, <laughs> So Mista's bullets get really hungry, and it reminds me of like you know when you see the 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 like single dad in a group that like everyone's got their kids, and the single dad and the kids are like, ah, and the dad just <laughs> yeah. looks so overwhelmed and like just he's staring off into the distance, like why has my life become this? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that's, that's what he looks sex like. Pistols. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're all like, we're hungry, we want to eat. And so he's like, guys, we got we to stop or they'll kill us all. And so uh, they go to this restaurant. And then while they're traveling to the restaurant, they play the new OP. Um, and I didn't like it. Like, the visuals are good, but the song is not great. Eh. I don't... You have written in the notes that the bullets are vegetarians, but I thought I saw them eating, like, meat, like capicola or something. No, but they have a whole conversation about, like, oh, so they're vegetarians? And he's like, yeah, they go and eat meat. And then... They're like, but the bullets oh, well, were they... eating meat. I thought it was somebody else that wasn't eating. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I don't know because I, I thought that too. But then I was thinking like, well, maybe that stuff isn't actually meat. Maybe it's something else. I don't remember maybe. exactly what sure. happened or what that, that was about. That whole conversation about vegetarianism was really dumb. <laughs> I was I like, know, JoJo, I, why are you doing this? They way too fucking long on that conversation too because they like went on and on about milk. And then they were talking about honey or something. And I'm like... <laughs> Do so Japanese dumb. people not understand the idea of vegetarianism? I don't like, think they do. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the guy who's, who writes JoJo doesn't. Okay, I was like, we need to, we need to focus. Um, and then at that moment, Narencia spills wine on this Yakuza suit. And the guy like starts yelling. He's like, Bakyaro! And he's like, oh, <laughs> who's going to pay for this suit? And he's doing the whole Yakuza thing where he's like, you're going to pay with your life. And, you know... Doing all the shit I like. And yeah. uh is all like, you must be an enemy! And like starts frick, freaking out and like whooping his ass so fucking bad. <laughs> and him starts the meme that is one of the best memes, in my opinion, of this year. At, at least in the anime community. Yeah. Where like Mista and Narencia are just whooping him. And they're just like, oh, oh, oh! And they're like kicking the shit out of him. And like, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Oh my god, it's my, so great! I think my favorite part of that is like Abakio is just like sitting there sipping his wine and looking yeah, at them. Yeah, Abakio is just like, mm, 
Okay, and then, I'm like appreciating the scene, and then he's like, "All right, I'm gonna get up and help." And then he's like, he cuts to him like kicking this guy in the face, like, "Oh my god!" Uh, I think my favorite of the memes was um, like sub fans, dub fans, and then Abakio is like highlighted with like manga fans, <laughs> and then I like live one. action yeah. adaptation is what they're all beating up on. I'm like Leo would especially appreciate this. <laughs> wow. Um. But yeah, no, there's like a billion different memes of that. I don't know if you guys have seen. I haven't seen any others besides like the ones you linked, but I'll keep an oh, eye no, out. There are so many. I, I kept coming across them like everywhere. Yeah, usually going. my feed blows up with that stuff and I didn't really know about it until you posted something. So I don't know what's going on with that. Huh. Maybe it's just I am in a lot of uh, questionable. Good... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe questionable. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe uh, anime groups that would appreciate JoJo mm-hmm. more than others. Uh, but yeah, so I loved that. Um, eventually they stop because the guy's unconscious and they're just like, oh, I guess he was a normal guy. Aww. <laughs> um, and then one of them points out that in order to defeat the boss, the, I think it's Bouchardi, points mm-hmm. out that their best bet is to find out the true identity of the, like, the boss using Trish. And Narancia is like, no, we can't involve Trish. Poor Trish. She's it's so hard on her already. And but then Trish just comes out of the turtle on her own accord and is like, oh, I already fucking know. Like, ah, you're you're not gonna scare me. You're not gonna shock me. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, my mom said she met my dad in this place card called Sardina. Sardinia. When she was <laughs> Sardinia or whatever the fuck. Say it in your Italian voice, B comp. Go ahead. Sardinia. No, 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 no. You have to, you have to do the... <laughs> wow. Wow, yeah. this is racist. No, it's not racist because you're Italian. It's like, so oh, do say it. it in your Japanese oh. voice, cat. Oh. <laughs> what the hell? Uh-oh, one of the animals that... is on the loose. <laughs> was that the cat? He, like, knocked over the whole tower of my old desktop. Wow. How did you did you not hear that like bum 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 bum? No, no, but I will on the recording. <laughs> uh, apparently, your cat thinks you're racist, and I agree. Okay, well, I still demand you say it. Say it, Sardinia. There you go. That's what I, I think. Needed the word from you were you. looking for was accent. I feel used. <laughs> oh my god! So she goes to the that place while she's vacationing, and the the guy's like. And she she basically tells him, like, hey, I'm pregnant. And, like, one day he's just like, I'm going to be right back. And then he just disappears and never comes back. I don't know if he if she told him she was pregnant because I think he would have killed her. Oh, well, maybe you're right. I don't think but they did. But he, he basically go, like, does the whole I'm going out for cigarettes thing on her. Yeah. So. Um. I don't know. They finally give her a spine and turn this girl into a real character, which I appreciated. Because yeah, until this point, I, I was really too. fucking irritated with this. And thus, and then, <laughs> then the shark incident starts. Indeed, the squallow, <laughs> which is one of the weirdest things. And there's been a lot of weird shit in this anime. This is weird. Uh, <laughs> so the spoon that Narencia's soup is in just disappears and Narencia is like what and I honestly feel like this is the perfect person to do this to because like yeah. 
Narencia is my one of my favorite characters in this entire show, but I, I will even acknowledge that he's not the brightest tool in the shed. <laughs> no, really. really? <laughs> but to give it to him, like he's thirteen or something, right? Like he's mm-hmm. got time to to get smarter, hopefully. Um, but he's not very smart right now. <laughs> so he's like, "Why's my spoon gone? I don't, I don't know." I'm giving him like a country accent because. I feel like he deserves it as the dumbest person in the group. Okay. Um, so, well, I mean, I get to say that as a hick. You know? <laughs> you're you're not so a hick. Goes, I've met hicks. Well. <laughs> wow, hick gatekeeping going on right now. <laughs> oh, gatekeeping. <laughs> I get to say who's a hick and who's not a hick. We ain't even right. got no gate where we come from. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look, my, my father's side of the family being from Kentucky with the heavy hick accent i can mm. tell you what a hick is or not okay <laughs> oh anyway y'all uh-huh anyway so i'm not gonna fight you on this leah do i literally <laughs> have an uncle that talks like this <laughs> and i remember being younger and having my mind blown and my dad able to have a conversation with him <laughs> That is a honest to God true memory I have. I have a lot of family in Kansas who I'm ashamed to speak to, Leo. And I I will not speak of the way that they speak. Anyway. Y'all come back Um, now, you hear? No. (laughs) Definitely been told that many a times. Oh man. So so Narancy is kind of like, I I need another spoon, because my spoon disappeared for some reason. And he goes to get another spoon. And then he, like, kind of is, like, digging around in the soup with the new spoon. And he, like, fishes out this piece of old spoon that's just all bitten into and shit. And he's like, what? What's happening? And then there's, like, a shark fin, like, in his fucking soup. Yeah. Yep. That's a <laughs> stand. Like, what? <laughs> and, and then, like, it's, he looks again, and it's, like, in his spoon. <laughs> And then it bites off his tongue. Yikes. And, and he like starts bleeding like profusely. Um, and there's like a lot of time in between all these things. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, Giorno's like, oh, we need to help him. I'm going to use my ability to give you a new tongue. And it's going to take some time. And like, you're going to suffocate in the meantime. So in the meantime, they fucking... <laughs> They trach him, basically. Yeah. Stab a fucking so, hole in his neck. Yeah. So, like, I've heard before from other people that the whole trach using a straw thing wouldn't work in real life. Is that true, Leo? It uh, it depends on where it's lodged and what's lodging the throat and where, but yeah, it's, it's actually a real thing. Okay. Because, like, I've heard from some people that it's kind of, like, bullshit that they use to be dramatic. I don't know. Seems uh, like risky and not something a non-medical professional should try. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yes. Non-med- now, I actually do work with a guy who has a prominent scar because of that. Wow. Where they had to have him. I, I think they had to do a surgery with him. And because of whatever it was, they had to uh, have a temporary breathing tube there. Mm. So, I mean, it's literally a thing. But like like, like you said, become you want to be like a, a, 
a literal medical professional. Otherwise, you're probably not going to stab it in just right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um. But yeah, and then they like kind of drift over to the rooftop, and there's these two guys like posing, and you find out these are the two guys that are attacking Narencia and the gang. And my first thought was that blonde guy is fucking hot. Like oh one of them God. is this long-haired blonde dude. He's fucking hot. What was I it? That's, uh, Tiziano? that's Tiziano. Tiziano, who's Tiziano. that's the Italian name for the uh, the Venetian painter Titian. T i t i a n. So that's he's that's who he's shit. named after. Yeah, he is pretty he's, hot. They're also yeah. like super gay. <laughs> oh, I couldn't tell. I'm like, are they gay or are they like creepy? touchy brothers i think they're like jojo gay which is different from actual gay yeah (laughs) because i i could totally i would not have been shocked if in the next instant they're like the the such and such brothers or something because you know how anime is sometimes where they're like glam rock gay (laughs) yeah Yeah, glam rock that's a good way to put it uh the other guy's named squalo which in italian means shark which obviously makes a lot of sense. sense Yeah. And yeah, his stand in, in JoJo is called The Clash after the band The Clash, but in the Crunchyroll subs, they call it The Crush or something. And uh, mm. Tiziano's stand is called The Talking Heads, uh, which I think they call The Talking Mouths in Crunchyroll subs. Yeah, I still hate that. I understand the copyright thing, but I still hate it. It sucks. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. <laughs> Nar- and then, so basically, the hot dude's like, stand is to. Um, get people to say the opposite of what they're trying to say. It's like mm-hmm. they can control their tongue, I guess. Um, so after they fix his tongue, he can't, he just keeps, like he keeps trying to tell them like about what happened to him and what's going on. And he can't, he just keeps telling them the opposite and like things that are beneficial to the attacking parties. So he keeps being like, Trying to tell them it's in the water, but, like, instead telling them to go into the water and, like, trying to tell them it's in the sea because they're like, maybe we should get in this boat, which would obviously be a terrible idea. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and instead he's like, oh, maybe it's in the bathroom. And it, yeah, he's he's so fucked. I, I don't understand why they can't see how fucked up Narancia is because he's doing all these so things. Yeah, it, like, <laughs> like that make no sense. They, they so cannot see that shark stand for whatever reason. But like they also I couldn't know. but like Narancia is acting like he's dying the whole time and Mista's like what do you mean? Like, why do you keep saying things that are weird? <laughs> just like, Mr. Like, you, none of you have any brain cells between you. I hate all I of you know. right now. Like, you like, should be what? able to tell if this you is see weird. Someone in your party. I mean, to, granted that Narencia is like a little weird and a little stupid. Yeah. But like, if you see someone who's acting just completely <laughs> insane, just yeah. suddenly, you should probably look into it. You should probably think about it a little bit. And the only one who even tries, like, a tiny bit is Giorno at the end yeah at the very end oh i was like checking out of the episode at a certain point because i couldn't it was I just had it up so to here bizarre because like the shark thing just keeps showing up and like no one can apparently see it except narencia and like he's just keeps freaking out and everyone else is just like whoa we don't see anything what's happening and i'm just like oh my god i think they just and think it was just so narencia weird. is just they think narencia is just being so they don't think much about it (laughs) well but he's never that insane i don't know i don't know he was on the boat that one time 
I guess. At one point, that was, like, amazing. You have to admit that that thing on the boat, like, with them dancing and shit, that was just amazing. <laughs> like, oh, my God. So, anyway, at one point, that this is the point of the episode where I, like, I was like, I'm, I'm almost done with this. Yeah. Like, I'm almost checked out. He's, like, crying. And, like, the shark goes into the tears on his fucking face. Which are, like, streaming yep. down his face. Which you could tell is a manga panel, obviously. I know. And I was just like, come on. Um, and there's, like, a point where he, he, like, tells everyone to go look in the toilet. And then he starts peeing into the toilet. And he's yeah. yelling at everyone to look. And I'm just like, what purpose does this serve? I don't mm. know. Because the other guys stand can make him it overtook his tongue so he he's saying opposite of what he wants to say so to keep them from getting near the water he pees in it i get right. it but it's just it's just weird it's, it's weird <laughs> it's too much it's, so at one point narencia like his tongue this is also so fucking bizarre so his tongue who they have control over i love how you're freaking out about this but like my only one note about this was at least the stands make sense after that last episode i did (laughs) you're focusing on it so much it is weird his tongue like slashes his hands like, he's an emo suddenly. So, like, from the outside, since they can't see, apparently, his tongue losing control of itself and taking a razor blade or whatever and slashing him, doesn't this look to them like he's become, like, an emo hipster and is, like, cutting himself or something? Because <laughs> suddenly it's <laughs> yeah. just his... I don't know. So, like, he's bleeding profusely. Narns is like, if, if, if any of them come close to me at this moment, they're going to get attacked. So he tries to burn himself to stop the bleeding instead so that Giorno is, is, doesn't like get attacked because Giorno tries to come over. Giorno comes over anyway, but at least Narancia is like, okay, I'm not bleeding. He should be safe. Then he realizes there's a water like leaking from this pipe on the wall. And he's like, no! And Giorno is attacked. And that's the end of this episode. But I'm just like, this... They spent so long on, like, bizarre shark things. I don't know. It's just typical JoJo insanity. It it was entertaining, but also just really fucking weird. I was like, come on, we gotta stop with this now. So, like, do you guys see the new OP and the new ED uh, with this episode? I didn't like them. I, I also like did it. not like them. Uh, the yeah. ED especially, because it's just like a panning shot moving up. Like, the song was whatever, and... The ED was just really boring visually. But the OP, like, I can understand why some people really like it aesthetically. And also, apparently, it's really cool if you know the stands that are to come up. Um, like, because they always hide, like, hidden hints about the stands that are to come up in that part. But, like, the song is just okay. And, like, I really felt they needed more in-between frames of animation in a lot of parts of it. Where there's, like, these twisting, like, zooming shots that, like don't have enough frames of animation in between to make them look smooth in a way that's like appealing to me. I was me. a lot more disappointed with the music. Where's my crazy yeah. awesome song that the creator chose again? I thought the song was okay for the OP, for the ED. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like that was Yeah, just, ED specifically. Yeah, it was not great. Yeah, I already said I didn't like it. It wasn't great. I don't know. Do they do they when they do longer no, seasons like this, cat. do they usually <laughs> license more than one cool song like that for the ED though? Or is this like or they usually just make like one of the songs themselves cuz 
I don't know if this song was licensed or not. I didn't recognize it. I didn't it, recognize but, him. Yeah, that was the thing. Yeah. But anyway, uh, a little little letdown there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay, Domestic Girlfriend, episode nine. Don't say that, please. <gasps> <laughs> so the older sis is still moving out. And Hina basically says, like, hey, come over sometime. Oh, can't, like, can't, oh I'm going to give you a key. I, I want to say, before you go into it, this is the episode I have been waiting for since you guys decided we were going to watch this. Mm-hmm. Because this is a turning point for me. When I was watching this, that was like... like this or when is, you were reading it, you mean? When I was reading it. Yeah. And I was like, this is hitting a point of such fucking debauchery. I can't stand it, and then it, and then it made me remember a, what I specifically stopped reading it for. But that's later on, so I can't talk about this. But this is like the start of just like this is like the worst of the worst. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh my god! So Rui is like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm moping around the house because she's like, oh, I saw like. Hina holding hands with him yesterday, and I just don't like it. Mm. <laughs> um, and then Tachi, I don't know, Tachibana sees, um, Shoot. Rui sees, yeah. sorry, yeah, Rui sees the guy like who the older sister had an affair with. I guess his name is Shu, whatever yeah. the fuck. And Asshole of, guy. Of, of mm-hmm. course, he is friends with a rape teacher. Syria, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like these guys got together well. Birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. I thought this whole exchange was so weird. So, like, she meets them both in this bookstore. He comes out and it's like, listen, I haven't talked to your sister since then. In front of his upperclassmen, you would never want to talk about anything like that in front of him. You wouldn't want anyone to know about that shit. And they all go into the cafe. He invites her. And then they have this very secret conversation, just the three of them. It's really none of the third guy's business. Why is he having this conversation in front of him with Rui? Yeah, it's the only part of it I liked is that she she ordered like a $50 parfait. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> Made him pay for it. And There's on top no of the parfait was that. a tomato. And I was like, Leo I must didn't be notice freaking the tomato. out. It's, there's a giant tomato. I don't know if it's like a pastry tomato. I think it's an actual tomato on I top of this parfait. I noticed all of the ice cream. Who puts I was like, mm, any ice cream. vegetable in a parfait? I, it was the weirdest thing. And I was like, you I wonder what? if Leo will notice. Maybe this. it's like I a ginormous cherry. You know what I actually have had? Speaking of ice cream and tomatoes, I've had tomato ice cream. Oh, disgusting. That's weird. At the state fair one year, they had tomato ice cream. Of course, it's at the state fair. Tomato soup ice cream? No, it's like tomato ice cream. It was good. I feel like state fairs are like probably responsible for like almost all new food experimentation ideas in the world. Well, now (laughs) that we don't do the world fair anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so. That happens. And I was just the whole time that conversation was going down, I was just like, why are you discussing this right now? Why are you discussing it in front of him? Yeah. Um, and they were like, oh, I, I got divorced. Yeah. And like, I want to be with her. I want to be with Hina. But like, I don't, I feel like it would be selfish of me, you know. And But really what you find out in the course of this conversation is like, 
he feels prideful and embarrassed to ask her first, mm-hmm. which is such a typical dude thing. Guys are <laughs> such idiots. Um, no, if you love her, let her go, and then she'll come back to you if it's meant no, to be. No, fuck that. <laughs> like, chase her or she's gone. Anyway, um, but yeah, he... Also, I'm not sure why this dude is trying to make Rui feel better. Yeah, me neither. It's weird. Um, then yeah, Rui goes home and begs Hina not to move out, and like, okay, so there comes this point where I thought that I thought that what was gonna happen is that because Hina was like, "All right, you you do what you want to do, and I'll do what I want to do," and I thought what she was trying to say was like. I'll stay, and you can hit on him, and I'll hit on him, and we'll just agree not to be angry at each other. I thought that was what she was saying, and I was like, no! <laughs> but but no, she's just basically tacitly avoiding this um, thing that Rory is asking her and is going to move out anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, Hina gives uh, the, you know the bro a key and you're like oh yeah she wants to fuck him and yeah so this was like her whole plan then and he, oh, yeah. he's like i'm being tested right now and it's like nah she just wants you to come over and fuck dude like that's well, all i mean she, she that's the does, test but she kind of does it like she's cut yeah we'll you'll see you in a minute yeah 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 um and then Rui like uses this moment he's in the empty room that hina has just moved out of and Rui comes in and is like Oh, let me hit on you again. And he gives her all the like family excuses. Like he keeps emphasizing like yeah. you are my sister and we live in this house together. The four of us. The way I thought about it, it's like instead of friend zoning her, he like brother zoned her, which is yeah. like I can't believe that's a term I needed to come up with to explain <laughs> this. But that's what he did. Oh, so he's trying really hard to be like I'm going after Hina, not the other one. I'm going after Hina. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, like, you got a perfectly good meal in front of you. Like, why are you why are you chasing after this over here? But okay. Um, so he goes over to Hina's place. He's on a mission. A dick mission. It's dick o'clock. <laughs> so <laughs> it totally is. It is. She's asleep. And- and she's a fucking asleep. And she wakes up and, oh, I'm so surprised. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, fucking right. You knew he's coming over here. Come on. <laughs> Gave him and a like, fucking key. <laughs> I know. And, and then, and then she, he's like, Sensei, I came here prepared. And I like, expected him to pull like a huge thing of condoms out of his bag. <laughs> but instead he goes on to this stupid rant about how like he's prepared to die and all this bullshit. Yeah. And I'm just like, come on. Like. Just pull the condoms out. That's what you mean. And, like, they get hot and heavy on the bed for a second, and it's going down. But, like, they down. don't really. Like, so they kiss, right? But the they way kiss, they like, kiss. They kiss, like, heavy a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they kiss, like, like, dead fish. Like, she just lays bit. there. He presses his lips against hers, and they just stay perfectly still. <laughs> like, and then no, they do I it again. The animation. Is that she's not into it. Like, she's not yeah. really into it. He, She's not wanting to fuck right now, and he's like... I don't want to fuck right now. And she's like doing that thing that girls do sometimes where they're like, I don't want to be mean to you, but I, I'm not into it right now. And like, but I so, think it's yeah, also like is... this thing where two people like who, especially like a high school kid who's like 
this is like sort of his first real love is like holding love like and kissing on like such a high pedestal that he's like this must be like the most perfect serene kiss ever and it's like oh come on again come on dude like just kiss the girl like get into it like, come on enjoy yourself yeah this this is where i remember in the manga finally just being like you guys have gone too far because they start dating yeah and yeah it's, it was a little weird and, and she kind of hina kind of does it kind of out of nowhere you d- i don't remember a moment where she was like all right i'm gonna give it a try with him it I just guess it was at that festival basically it, where she realized that she needed to stop yeah, that's acting like she didn't okay. want it. it to me it felt like it just kind of happened and i'm just like mm-hmm. this i was like i was like this amount of garbage is it's not enjoyable at this point it's fucking <laughs> garbage. but you know i stuck with it maybe maybe it will go back to the old garbage that's oh it gets <laughs> the worse. old garbage it gets worse uh, and oh, i know yay. i've seen clips i'm i'm there <laughs> I'm for it um anyways so she gives him the whole like we don't have to rush into things bullshit at the last second and it's basically like i don't want to fuck you yet and she, i don't understand why she's getting cold feet i mean i'm i'm proud of her because she shouldn't be fucking like a 17 year old but at the same time i'm like you already did all this you gave him the key you did this and that like what's going on and, like, she makes him coffee. And I just remember pausing at this, like, moment of him, like, <laughs> trying to drink the coffee. And he, he, I've never seen a man look so fucking sad trying to drink coffee. <laughs> oh, he looks so fucking sad. He looked like he'd just been told his puppy died. Mm-hmm. Like, it was... I encourage you all to pause and like replay that moment where he's drinking the coffee and just laugh. I have a question. Are you guys watching this show at regular speed? Because I'm watching yes. it two times speed. Oh, absolutely regular speed. Sometimes I slow it down. No, what I'm just I'm wrong? joking. No, I don't do that. <laughs> I was like, there's something so wrong with you. Oh man. And then she does this like line a couple times in this episode where she's like our time together is just starting and I'm like don't say bullshit like that come on I don't know <laughs> and then later on in the episode Rui and uh, the the brother run into the foreigner and it's like it's hilarious how he's trying so hard to get Rui and this foreigner together <laughs> Yeah. and like considering how much Rui just really wants to fuck him not this foreigner dude it's really odd because most girls in Japan want to fuck foreigner guys especially blonde foreigner guys why do you know this? <laughs> I mean I know a lot of things about Japan <laughs> <laughs> so it's just weird so you're and, saying um, be calm and I need to go to Japan <laughs> well I'm not blonde it, it is a thing like for like i think they like you know how there's like that really crude term in the u.s where people are like and this is really crude but people will be like you got yellow fever or whatever yeah. it's like the reverse there like like um okay like people go kind of crazy because they're like oh it's exotic we don't see a lot of people with blonde hair you know mm-hmm. that's that's the whole thing so if you if you want to be fetishized go to japan yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so Natsuo asks Hina about sex later, and he's, like, so fucking obvious and obnoxious about it. He's like, like, I think I'm ready, but maybe you're not. And he's telling this to her, who's, like, an adult. (laughs) Well, allegedly. He, like, comes to her like he's asking her a question, a class question. Like, teacher, teacher. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, first of all, 
this is not the way you would ask your girlfriend about this. Mm-hmm. You would not ambush her like this. In, she just came out of the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, you're in school. You should not be talking about this period at school. You should really be avoiding each other at school L- if you're doing this. Let alone physical contact, for God's yeah. sake. Yeah. And, then, and then she fucking kisses him at the end of this conversation. And they just like saw the vice principal walk by him. And I was like, at that point, I was like, this she's going to fucking lose her job if this shit keeps up. Like, and holy like, shit. They're in so do much that. trouble. I was like, why are you kissing him? Why would you do that? <laughs> Oh my it was God. the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I understand like, ooh, taboo relationship, but like, don't don't be such a fucking idiot. As to, I don't know. So that's the end of that episode. We'll see how she loses her job because it'll probably happen, right? The one funny sure. thing uh, that happened early in the episode we didn't talk about is Rui goes to a bookstore and she just looks at this pile of books and one of them just has, this, has the title Sisters, a tale of discord between sisters that slowly eats away at their peaceful family ties. <laughs> Over 100,000 copies sold. She kind of like looks at it and like frowns and like keeps moving. <laughs> like, I did see that. It was, I was on like, the nose. Dumb. <laughs> oh, I've got, I've got a question for you, Cap. Who mm-hmm. deserves to lose their job more? Hina for kissing one of her students or the hmm. teacher from uh, Yuru Camp, the drunk teacher? <laughs> Hina, Ooh. I would say, 100%. I don't know. Okay, so he's 17, right? Yeah, he's a minor. I th- well, but Not he's in Japan. Well, I it think, depends on the prefecture. I think the drunk teacher deserves to lose her job more because he is technically an adult in Japan, especially, like, Legally, he can have sex. So as long as she left him alone at school, I don't think I would have a moral issue with it. But he's her student at school, so it doesn't matter if he, she yeah, leaves him alone at school. Yeah, but the teacher is potentially endangering multiple students. Yeah. She's like just that's, drunk. Who cares? I have lots of an... <laughs> if if he was like 15, I would be like, no, no, that's bullshit. But he's 17. What, how is she endangering them? They're just camping. Okay. <laughs> Do you know how many things could happen? They could well, set the forest on. Let Japanese me tell campsites. you a story, Become. Well, then that would be their fault if they set the forest also, on fire. She also tried to the give fire. them alcohol at one point, too. <laughs> yes. Let, let me okay, tell you a story true. about how my aunt and a couple of um, my aunt's friend's children, who she took camping... How that happened. So she fell asleep, slightly drunk, left them alone, and these mm-hmm. two boys tried to start a fire and uh, didn't work out well. Ended up setting the forest on fire. <laughs> How is that her fault? <laughs> like, it I know she's a supervisor, fault. but these kids she need to take some personal responsibility. Them. Yeah, well, they she... need to take some personal responsibility for the fact that they're Listen, fucking idiots. That's not the way it works. She was held responsible for that shit. I it know, was terrible. I know they saw that fucking commercial, <laughs> only you can prevent forest fires, probably like a thousand <laughs> times when they were kids, because I saw it a thousand times. But that's what well, can happen if you don't supervise kids in the forest. Not only could they get kidnapped, they could die, they could fall off the side of a cliff. <laughs> God like knows what else could happen. <laughs> they could also set the fucking forest on fire and kill God knows how many people and destroy how much property. 
fine. But I'm, I still think Hina's doing more fucked I'm up I'm sorry, shit. listeners. It was just a simple question. I didn't know it was going <laughs> to turn... It's a very complex question, I didn't obviously. I it was going to turn into a debate between Kat and Vcom. <laughs> Let's move on to lighter things in Kaguya-sama, please. Which, right, actually, right. I really liked this episode because it was, like, all connected. I liked that a lot. Instead of, like, yeah, short it was, it was skits. Good. So, at the beginning of this Kaguya episode, there's, like, a thunderstorm. And I learned, apparently in Japan, there is a old uh, nursery tale that in electrical storms, that if you don't protect your belly button, it could be stolen away. Oh, so that's what that was about? I was okay. yes. That's what that was about? Okay. Uh. That's, so in Japan, kids believe until they're kind of older that like you have to protect your belly button when there's a thunderstorm outside because like... The thunderstorm could come and steal it away. What's the what's the purpose of telling children this though? I don't know. I don't know if it's so they're not afraid of the thunderstorm well, and they're just focused on their belly. She's button. afraid of it because of that. <laughs> I don't so know. The, I don't. It's just I don't know. Why do we tell children that a fat man is going to come down their chimney? I don't know. So they behave well. Yeah, there's a Maybe reason this behind is so that. So they behave well. Maybe it's be- so they shut their fucking mouths. Explain it to me how. And they put their hands over their belly and they don't whine and they just stare at their stomach in fear. And instead of making noise, they're staring at their stomach in fear. Maybe okay. that's what it is. Maybe, that, oh I mean, my God. that's plausible. <laughs> Let's move on. Oh so anyway, that's what that was about. And then. So, like, the trains are stopped due to the storm, and so Miyuki can't go home. And his family doesn't have a car, because he's fucking poor. And so Kaguya almost offers him a ride, but then is like, oh, that would be a date. Mm -hmm. I can't ask him on a date. And then it becomes this dramatic thing in her mind, and she's like, I'm going to make him ask me on a date. And it's just like, why can't we get over this? (laughs) Is Um, this why... Nobody in Japan's fucking because everybody's playing this exact fucking game. I hope maybe. not. <laughs> maybe, maybe that we need to like do an intervention show, like an intervention um, live action show, where you just have these really obnoxious American foreigners go to Japan and just take two people who love each other and they're all their fl- friends know it, and we like get them in a room and we just make them admit that they love each other, and we're like, admit it, admit it. Is this the new reality series you're uh, it, pitching it is. here? It's a new reality. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the end, they're just so terrified by all the shit we're putting them through. They're like, okay, we like each other. And we're like, ding, ding, yeah. ding. And like confetti goes over their head and they're like shaking <laughs> on the floor, clinging on to each other. And we've also nice. booked you a one night room in this hotel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shock therapy to deal with Japan's childlessness. Nice. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> um, at this point, Kaguya puts her hands over Chika's head because Chika begs her to like block out the thunderstorm noise while she protects her stomach with her hands. And then she's worrying so fucking much about Miyuki in this situation that she almost like pops Chika's head like a balloon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Chika's like, why? Why me? And like, I don't know. It's weird. Um, And then Chika almost offers to help uh, Miyuki home in her car. But Kaguya's just like, you fucking won't. And like, just scares the shit out of her and makes her leave. (laughs) Uh, And then, I don't know. She makes a snide comment 
where she's like, oh, what will happen if you don't get to work? You would be disqualified as a member of society if you couldn't if you couldn't get to work due to something like this. And I was just thinking, that's such a fucking Japanese way of thinking. That, like, <laughs> you're disqualified as a member of society if you, if you can't go to work due to something completely out of your control. Like a literal like, act of God keeping you from yeah, going to work. Like, but you yeah. should be ashamed. Like, no. <laughs> but uh, Miyuki looks really stressed. And it's really kind of unfair at this point that Kaki is continuing to do this. Um, and he goes to the bathroom to, like, have a mini crisis. Um, and in that time, Kaguya sees that the trains are running again on her phone and is like, I will not let this ruin my plan. And she, like, dramatically puts a dead battery in his phone in, like, a minute. And the thing is, she already had, like, this situation set in place. So she knew she had, like, the dead battery already there. She had the hairdryer to, like, <laughs> break the case apart like this was predetermined on her part so it's just this like it's just kind of fuck? insanity <laughs> it is it's i don't know it was and impressive she that just, she did it in 60 seconds though <laughs> yeah and so she's like well, gone I'm in 60 seconds then. yeah she's like i'm leaving then and like leaves and then stands outside waiting like hey, 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 he'll have no choice and she like goes into her fantasy world where she's like and he'll beg me on his knees and i'll let him into the car and ha ha, it'll be great and I'll have the upper hand and all this bullshit in her head. And I'm just like, why do you keep doing this? And the maid is in the corner like, if this scheme works though, how am I going to get home? And, and is like on foot. And, she, and the maid's just like, you're a demon. <laughs> but then you find out she really called a cab for her. So. <laughs> yeah, after the fact. But yeah. like the yeah. maid's like, you know, this is going to come back to haunt you one of these days. Mm-hmm. The karma. Yeah, and then suddenly Miyuki comes through like fucking like a bat out of hell on his bike and like like pedaling for all he's worth to get to work on time on his bike. Like storm be damned, basically. And it completely splashes Kaguya like with water. Oh, no. Um, oh, I hate this stupid trope. I oh, know. <laughs> And can't of they think of the, anything else in anime? It's so, so annoying how often this You know, pops people up. can just get colds just <laughs> fucking because. Yeah. It doesn't you know, happen. You know what can give people fucking colds? Their coworker coughing constantly for yeah. hours and hours next to them, like happened to me today at work. That can cause a cold. And it's, you know what doesn't call a cold? You know what has never in my fucking life caused me to get a cold? Getting get splashed with fucking water. <laughs> Even cold water. It's not the cold or the water. It actually has to do with the cold season where people stay inside more, where it tends to make mold grow more, and that's how people get fucking colds. It has nothing to do with like the cold well, temperature th- this itself. This is like, a, like almost like a way that probably people in Asia used to think of what it's not just Asia, it's, it's here and basically everywhere. Yeah, but because well, like, they misinterpreted yeah. it for being cold weather, so that's what they assume, but it, yeah, it really wasn't the cold weather. But you would think the way that they do this, though, and it's so pervasive, you would think that Asian people are just so fucking fragile. Like, all you would have to do is cup your hands and get water in your hands oh. and just go up to someone and just, like, sploosh it on them. <laughs> they're like the- and they're just deathly <laughs> ill with, like, pneumonia, you know? It's like the aliens from, uh, uh, damn it, 
What's that? Signs. Signs, thank you. <laughs> you can never think of the name. I always know. <laughs> the movie's like ingrained in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that and the amnesia thing, just like mm-hmm. you guys need to eat more meat and get your iron levels up a little bit. I, yeah. Come on, I will guys. salute any anime from now on that has somebody get rained on, completely soaked, and be totally fine. Exactly. <laughs> we, we should just have a moment where we clap for any any scene like that. Got to keep our eyes out for that. But yeah, so Chica volunteers to go over to give Kaguya her papers, you know, her work papers or whatever, because she's like, "He's so cute when she's sick. You guys don't even know." Oh, sorry. And, and you is like terrified to go because he's like, "I'm already weirdly sexually attracted to her. I can't. I can't afford to have this go any further." <laughs> And of course, Miyuki really wants to go, but like doesn't want to admit that he really wants to go. And they decide to like decide by playing this card game, and she could just cheats a fuck ton. Like to make a long story <laughs> short, I I tried to follow some of this. Like yeah. apparently, she marked the like the top of the deck, but I couldn't. It was a marked. The it was a marked deck on the back of the cards. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's just really funny because she has like three different cheats, and you calls her out on each one. He's like, <laughs> "You cheater!" and like it just hits her really hard, and that's mm-hmm. that's pretty much the joke. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I don't know. At one point, you makes this comment where he's like, "Analog gamers are dirty," and I thought that was cute. I thought that was kind of like four chan speak coming out of you and i was like that makes sense for him i guess <laughs> yeah um and then at one point miyuki is like oh she was waiting for me and that's why she's sick and i'm like you do have brain cells in your in your head oh my god <laughs> and um yeah so. so this is when she starts to act like a giant baby Exactly. Um, and she looks like when he goes over to her house, she looks like a two-year-old child. Mm-hmm. Acting a bit. like because this is child. what's attractive to Japanese men. This is also what Cat thinks is attractive to me. She says, "Like, <laughs> oh, you just want a girl with like two brain cells, literally a baby who can't take care of herself." Cat said this like a thousand times on this podcast. <laughs> But like this, I mean, like watching this, I was like, this is what the writer of Kaguya Sama thinks that Japanese men want. Because like he's like he presents this situation for Miyuki like it's like irresistible. It's like to go I over, mean, wipe her back, wipe my front. I think it's more like like, like yeah. a pure defenseless girl that they can mm-hmm. take care of and swoop in and be the hero. I think that's kind they of a part of it. Too. Of is more like that too. Exactly. Well, yeah, it gets <laughs> yeah. really awkward in a minute, yeah. But yeah, just, I don't know. And and then I just thought it was funny. He goes from having this fantasy about wiping her front down, basically wiping her bare tits off with a wet washcloth, mm-hmm. to having a fantasy of, like, patting her head. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's, it's almost power- like infantilization fantasy. It's a, it's a huge, fantasy. huge yeah. power fantasy is what it is. Yeah. That's it's like dumb. what most of anime are, to be honest. Yeah, and then the maid at this point basically gives this guy permission to rape her, basically. <laughs> he's like, she's like I'm, I'm going to give you several hours alone in this room. The room that's soundproof. <laughs> she won't remember anything. Any 
anything at all. <laughs> like, and I get that she's trying to just like force these two to fucking like make something happen, but this is totally the wrong way to set this. this. Is so and she's like, up. and I definitely will never be back for three hours. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, and wow. It's just like, I'm like, is this Japan's like? I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just weird. It's very so weird. That happens, and like. She does this monologue at one point, how she doesn't know any other way to be in love, blah, blah. And then she, like, grabs him and drags him into the bed. And he, like, stands there stiff and scared and sweats, but eventually falls asleep. And, like, later she wakes up better and, like, he's asleep next to her. And she flips her shit and it's like, ah! And he's like, ah! And, like runs home and it's like but i didn't do anything and the maid like inspects the sheets because she's like surely they boned and i'm just like are you really looking at the sheets for like evidence because that's just disgusting yeah she's looking for blood from losing yeah, her virginity she's like, Ooh, it's virginity. obvious yeah doing. and i'm just like come on like yeah it was it was not the greatest the second part was not my fun the part i liked but it was okay yeah uh, I liked in the hallway where we see that, like, the Shinomiya family, like, motto is written in, like, calligraphy. And it I just says in, like, entirely. all caps. Yes. If you are a Shinomiya, do not rely on anyone. Instead, use them. Do not receive anything. Instead, steal. Do not love anyone. There is no instead. <laughs> I was just like, holy yeah. shit. That was interesting. And I was just like, well, I guess that is why Kakia is like that. Pretty much, damn. That's a pretty cra- crazy mindset to come from. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that last part of the episode was super weird and rapey. But whatever. <laughs> it was just odd. Uh, yeah. Uh, should we move on to the last show of the day? Yeah. yeah. Just do some Dororo and uh, Dororo's flashback, really. <laughs> yeah. Episode 9, The Story of the Mercilessness. Leo can't wait to reveal one big thing about this episode. It's been dr- <laughs> it's been driving me absolutely fucking crazy. <laughs> Leo wanted to reveal this thing last week, and I was like, no, we can't talk about it. Not oh, yet. I would kill you. Yeah. If you had done that, do you realize the level of whoop down? <laughs> I don't know why. I don't, I, we'll get to it. I don't know why. I think it's better, but we'll get to it. So, okay. Yaki Maru can't stop sniffing things because he, he likes smelling things now. He takes a big whiff of Dororo who like falls to the ground because they have a fever. Also, how many fevers were there this episode? We've got Kaguya, <laughs> we got Shindo and Run with the Wind, we got Dororo. Everybody's got a fever. And they're Actually, passing. That should be the name of this episode. Also, I thought about that too. How, think about often, fever. How often? But I like Thanks Fetus Memories guys. so much. No, 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 no. Fetus fever. <laughs> Okay. Be like, thanks, fever memories? No, I don't know. <laughs> no. Also, one thing that all of them have related is that they're passing out. How many people do you know who get fevers and pass out? Yeah, that's pretty intense. I mean, people, that happens, but like not often. Like, does like, everybody have bad low I, blood pressure? I personally do not know anybody having a fever and passing out from it. And I don't know. It, but it just seems like in, you know, Japan land... You get a fever, you pass out at some point. What? Well, what? Yeah. if you pass out from a fever, you're at the point where you could actually get brain damage from that fever. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It is a thing to pass out from a fever, but only if you're at the point where, like, like you your could fever sustain so permanent severe damage. that, like, you see the uh, effects oncoming. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
I'm just, uh, whatever. So Hyakimaru also knows some limited like words. Like he's able to speak more than just Dororo because they come by this farmer, uh, like a stranger, and he wants to get help. And he's just like, uh, body, hot, <laughs> like, or something. Yeah. Uh, like, that's all he knows how to say, basically. Um, but the farmer doesn't have any medicine. So this, luckily, this nun comes by from a nearby temple and comes across I thought them. this was interesting because, like, in this time period, Christians would have been hated in Japan. So I'm not really sure how there's a nun at this yeah, time so in was history. She, did they give any indication that she was a Christian nun? Like, and even in like Amazon Prime, they called her character nun, which I was surprised no, by. Only I was like, other yeah. than like her visual getup, did yeah. it suggest that like it was well, what type were of religion there, like, it Buddhist, was? Like women, I don't who wore like no. a thing on. But their she head? had a nun outfit. From like that was what like I a saw. nun habit. So like I, yeah. it did I think look like a nun right. outfit to yeah. me. Like I think Christianity sort of got introduced to Japan in like as early as the 1400s. So I think it would have been around potentially. But it's kind of strange. But like, she yeah. would have been really disliked. Like, no one would have wanted to be around her. Yeah, they could have probably made a more interesting deal about that. I'd like yeah. to know more about her. Maybe they will, but... Um, so, yeah, they go to this temple, and, like, Doro's having these, like, visions of red spider lily flowers, which are called Maju Shage, which are a reminder of his mom and dad, as we'll see later. Um and then we go, yeah, into this extended, like, black and white flashback back when Dororo was little. Uh, Dororo's father, Hibukuro, was the leader of a band of brigands and thieves, but they lived by this specific code that they only attacked samurai. Um, of course, this unfortunately brought trouble from samurai, and they get their camp attacked, and they're just barely able to defend themselves. But they have to keep, like, moving to stay safe. And even as a little kid, Dororo always wanted to fight. Um, and one of um, Doro's father's like friends, like another thief, Itachi, tells Doro, like, you can't just solely depend on your strength as you grow up. Um, Doro's like scared by like the blood on dad's face when the fight against the samurai is over. And Doro's mom, Okia, says, like, he'll always be your father. And this was like a parallel to how Doro sees like Yakimaru like losing his humanity at times. I felt I think it's like interesting that. Doro saw dad lose this humanity in like the same way almost. So Itachi thinks it's time for Hibukuro to start thinking about the future of their band. And he thinks the Lord will give him like a decent position considering the strength they've built up. Uh, but Ochia is against it because of their friends and family that have been killed by these same Lords. Like she doesn't want to give in to them. And so Hibukuro sides with her and punches um, Itachi in the face and threatens to kill him. If he keeps talking like this. And then like the very next scene, Itachi has led Hibukuro's men into an ambush against these samurai. Uh, he's like, he claims that they're exhausted from fighting. So it's like the perfect time to attack, but they were just laying in wait for them. And so Itachi has clearly joined and made a deal with the samurai and the Lord and tells Hibukuro like he's an idiot for not doing the same. And so now they're like hungry and wandering and Doro and parents go to like a battlefield to try to find some food. And Doro stumbles across a soldier uh, eating another man and, and talks about how, like, the battlefield, like, is this hell? And Ochia's like, yeah, this might be worse than hell, actually. Um, and Doro, Yeah, that was an interesting moment. Yeah, it's, like, just seeing, like, the crazy things Doro's seen in the past. Um, 
that have formed who they are. And like Doro's father says that the red spider lily flowers might be red because they're soaked with the, they've soaked up the blood from the battlefield. And then the mom is like, Oh, don't scare them. And I'm like, he's, they have already seen so much shit. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that that's the thing that's going to scare him. I wonder if this is the same idea. I know it's a a fictional flower, but it's like the same idea behind the flowers in the Promised Neverland. Like they're the same like sickly red type of flowers. There's actually a flower very similar that they keep referencing in some Naruto episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. That's like the red flower. Oh, I think Um, you you mentioned that. uh, Yeah, some of them are white. And it just makes me, they're so similar. I almost wonder if it's based off of that flower. Oh, I also want to say, yeah, that flower from the Promised Neverland is, it's kind of based off a real flower also. It might be this okay, flower then, then or a similar one. It's the same one, one in Naruto yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. So this like, is like a running theme, which is interesting. Um, I, I feel like I've seen it in a video game at some point too. Um, meanwhile, it's really like, pretty. It is like kind of pretty. The, I, yeah. yeah. Of course, Cat likes the color of blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it almost makes me want to look it up and be like, do they actually look like that? Because like, the way the do. petals are pretty. Yeah. And they the those flowers like really stand out against the black and white background. Like there's a lot of like red against black and white oh, in yeah, this definitely. flashback, which is cool. Yeah. Um the Lord has ordered a village to be burnt down because it's an obstacle for the army and the nothing can stand in the army's way. And so yeah, like the fire is like burning red against like the black and white background. And Hibukuro wants to fight them, but Ochia tells him not to. But unfortunately, one random soldier recognizes Hibukuro. From having, like, Hibukuro and the Band of Thieves, like, apparently raided his village in the past and killed everyone. And, like, so no, the... No, they didn't no, raid no, the, not village. the village. No, no oh. he, they raided the soldier encampment while yeah, he was... Yeah, the same guy, specifically. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I was confused on that. And you recognized him because of his huge uh, pole arm. Yeah, and oh, he acts okay, all okay. outraged, like, oh, you killed my, you know, friends. And I'm just like, you literally are destroying a village right now. Yeah, like, <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah, he was he was sort of like a justice type uh, renegade, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he just attacked like uh, groups of just samurai. samurai. Yeah, 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 that makes yeah, more yeah. sense. Yeah. Right, yeah, he right, didn't right. raid villages or anything like that. So the soldiers all attack Hibukuro, and even though he takes like several of them out, like kind of cool too. Like at one point, he throws his katana at, like a spinning blade, and it like cuts off two guys' legs at the ankles. I was like, damn. My um, favorite part is where he's like, this is how you use a spear. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, we get a spear through him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He gets speared in the back by that guy before, though, and then Dororo has to watch him die. And so that's sad. Man, Dororo's got a dark backstory. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And so, like we've heard that's about not before. the worst of it, though, to me. Oh, the worst really? of it's what we get to come. Oh, interesting. So... Doro and his mom Ochia uh, survive on their own for a while, but it's difficult. Like a stranger tells Ochia that the samurai are giving handouts in a nearby temple. So they head there. And unfortunately, it's Itachi who's like doing samurai recruiting there and stuff, uh, handing out food. And Doro picks up a rock to throw at them. But Ochia orders Doro like, don't throw that rock. And, but, like, then, like, the thing that happens is, like, the samurai are, like, running out of bowls and, like, or food, I guess. And Ochia goes up to, like, the person who's ladling out this boiling soup and says, like, pour it directly into my hands. And so she she has this boiling soup poured, poured right into her hands, which burns them. And she just bears it and then goes over to Dororo to feed. 
or to give them food and. Well, and he just eats it like slowly out of her hand. <laughs> well, he, like, he, like, on to it. Me, he wouldn't be able to eat it without burning himself in the process. Yeah, or? to me, like this would be the thing that fucks you up the most. Like just watching your mother just get like third degree burns on her hands while she waits for you to slowly eat. And you're so fucking hungry that you do it and aren't like, no, drop it. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like that would fuck you up more in my opinion. Well, yeah. it, it explains why Doro is so durable as they are now. Yeah. Um, and so Itachi also like kinds of kind of gloats about it. It's like, I can't believe you're in this position and all the shit. And Doro throws a rock at them, which Itachi just catches and then kind of finishes the advice he was giving Doro earlier. Like, don't you can't just rely on your strength. You have to be smart if you want to survive. And so I think Doro's kind of embraced that at this like, obviously. Ochia, oh, yeah. after this, collapses in a field of red spider lilies. And she begs Doro to survive until the war someday ends. And so Doro also watches his mother die. Um, and back in the present, Doro explains to the nun, like, that's why they haven't given up. And, like, the nun is basically overwhelmed and tells Hyakimaru, like, man, this must be so difficult for you, especially traveling with such a young girl. And it's like, wait, what? Dun, dun, dun. So no, the reveal is so Doro anti- is a girl. So anticlimactic. I don't. I have absolutely no idea why they held this back. I think it's a pretty big reveal. If like you just weren't catching on to it, like, but what now that I think back, hands? like Doro, no, what has, was has there these, before like, this eyelashes. that would, would told you they were catching on to this? What? Uh, well, I don't know. Like just Doro's way of speaking. Like they're voiced by a, a young girl character, which is interesting. There, which is no, that's not a young, young girl person. I mean, <laughs> that's not unusual. For anime at all. No. Well, it is like a young girl, though. Like, she's like 14 or something. That's that's sort of unusual. Like It's you, usually a girl, but it's like an older but woman. Still yeah, female. it's usually like a 20-year-old girl. Or something. Like, I immediately <laughs> thought of the voice of Goku as, like, shooting your the, what yeah. you're saying now down. Just immediately. Well, just she's like, an like, old woman. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah, but. Goku is like, was like an elderly woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My biggest thing so. is, I don't know what this... this it's so, I felt like it would have been so much better to have known this from the beginning i meet my first thought was when he when she found out uh mio was a prostitute like Mm -hmm. when that scene happened when she when she saw her as a prostitute i thought dora was still a guy it's like oh shit and i was just like oh yeah oh shit she's a prostitute we kind of figured that out but that scene's so different to me now because then now I see Doro's reaction as like, oh shit, that mm-hmm. could be me. Yeah. This is why I'm pretending to be a guy. I'm like, wow, that yeah, scene's a hundred times took, better. Yeah, I think she took that um, idea of like, you have to be smart and was like, a, a girl traveling alone, yeah, no matter e- how even, young yeah. you are, even in you our are first- fucked. Yeah, even in our first meeting of Dororo where she's getting beat up by those guys, like you're like, oh, they're just beating up a young boy. That's fucked up, whatever. But they're like, oh, shit, we know we're in on the secret. We know Doro is actually a girl, but those guys think they're beating up a boy. So you're just like, you're like kind of conflicted. You're like, this is 
I thought it was fucked up in the first well, place, but, like, but it's what extra could they fucked up now. To her just like holy crap, if they knew she was a girl, yeah, exactly, it would have been, been way worse. Yeah, which so, is, like it to makes my, these my scenes opinion, it's smart. Would have been way better if we were in on the secret, and yeah. like I really think the show is hurting itself not telling this up until now, which was my big problem. And I found out, like you said, become last week because yeah. I saw like a ranking of the top female characters and I was like, why is Dororo like <laughs> in here? So of course I Googled it real quick and I'm like, like my mind was blown. I'm like, this show is so much better. If we are in on the secret, the, the, the world in the show is not, but we are. It makes well, things so much better. And I, I, I hate it, that they didn't do this. I hate it because I waited? have to hold it against the show now. And I, don't I don't know, Leo, because like, okay, I think about the way that it. you think of the character. You would have had a completely different perception of that character as a whole if you had yes, known Yes, yes, yes. And I just explained that. Well, but why like, it's I also so different. think it makes us see her as more of who she is. Because I think she is a very like tomboyish character. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think they wanted to show you, like, she is strong and, like, she can. Yeah, do in all the flashback, they showed her being very tomboy. She won the fight and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think her androgyny is highlighted by the fact that it took so like long. I feel like if they had led this, if this was episode one, I would have liked this show a lot better. I it's think possible. That the, I don't already I love it, but I think I would have liked it better. I think it had a point in why it was waiting. I think yeah. they were trying to highlight the androgyny of the character a lot more by waiting so that yeah. it, it influenced your yeah, perception. Okay, okay. I would agree with you, but the reveal was just the flattest thing in the world. Well, I, I think will it's, agree with that. It's similar to how they revealed it in uh, the original Kino's Journey. Where you find out the true gender of that character, or like the true sex of that yeah, okay, character? Yeah, like if you want to compare them, I think they're very vastly different. I think Kino's journey had a, a way different effect than how yeah. this one did. But like, but like, th- I think in both cases, it's supposed to mean that like their sex doesn't really matter to the person that they are. It's yeah. they're they're operating in a totally different way in society because they're not well, accepting that role. Age, I I can't quite agree with that because of the age difference. That's that yeah. is true because like she may I don't know she may grow up and feel differently but like she is she's lived as a guy all this time I think she might yeah but prefer if that at grows this point. up looking like her mom <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. can't hide this <laughs> I mean you, you know you can there you'd be surprised you can hide a lot of there things. are things you can do but I yeah. think it would be particularly different for Dororo compared to Kino. And like uh, Kyakimaru has like no reaction, by the way. Like, yeah, like, that, and that's kind of like, the other Kyakimaru thing. Kyakimaru doesn't yeah. give a fuck. Like, yeah. what does he know? Like, you his know? reaction is like expected, but then like this is how the show chose to reveal it. Like, it's not part of the plot for this episode. I just, mm-hmm. it's just like it's here. And, and like, um, like Doro and him are like walking down the road, and Doro's like, "Oh, they must have taken off my clothes." Oh shit! Did that nun say anything weird about me? And like tries to get Hakimaru to like no, yeah. like say anything, but he won't. Um, yeah. And then like yeah, the final scene of the episode is just like Daigo hearing from an informant that uh, the midwife of uh, Hakimaru, the as a baby, said that he was sent down the river on a boat, and also recently a man with prosthetics for arms severely injured this Hasakura spy. So Daigo oh, yeah. finally has some confirmation. The, yeah. the son, like the like Kakimaru's brother, like listening in. Yeah, yeah, he finally overhears, so he finally knows what's going I, on. I, too. I don't feel like he's really going to 
fight. He seems very sympathizing. Oh, I think he's going to fight. That's the whole point. They're going to fight each other. I think they're going to... it's going to be sad. I know. I think they're going to team up against their father. Mm, no, I think they're going to fight, and it's going to be like, we're sympathetic for the brother, but like also we, we know that Hiyakimaru has to win. Yeah. His sympathy seems towards Hiyakimaru and, his, and, and, and their shared mother. Well, yeah, but I also think even though he's still going to be loyal to his father... I, and could, his, I could see them starting to fight, and then... Coming around and then going against their father together. I think it's going to be a thing of like, I don't want to kill you, but I have to kill you. And I know mm, it's wrong, nah. but I have to do it. I think that Dororo will be his greatest advocate to Tahomaro. Because like Dor- Dororo might be able to explain the whole situation better. Like Dororo Maybe. is the person who knows Hyakimaru better than anyone. So, Well, and Dororo yeah. can actually fucking talk. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that I mean, well, Hiwakimaru is yeah. learning, but he's still kid. <laughs> yeah, he's right. not eloquent. Right, Dororo's like, the the, uh, the linchpin in this whole scheme. So indeed, yeah, she will still play a big part in it. Hmm. So yeah, it'll, it'll be, be interesting. interesting to see how this all develops, and if I want to see how if Yakimaru starts to treat Dororo differently as a person now, that'll be interesting to see. But that he's like be. overly protective. No, no, no. He didn't even have a reaction to it. He doesn't fucking care. Well, he he yeah. could just have a poker face, but like I don't think he'll treat him treat him that differently. Hopefully, cat, not. cat he has a literal poker face. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, yes. Okay, Leo, take everybody, us out. thank you for listening. <laughs> Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube to get updates on new podcasts or videos. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, and follow us on Twitter at Nerm Another for updates as well. Also, we have this awesome Discord. You can come hang out with us and oh, talk yeah. to us. Leo and posts cat pictures every day. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I post cat pictures all the time. Uh, or pictures of my dog and the message she made. That also <laughs> happens. Uh, and also, mm-hmm. you can actually see the real faces of Cat and I. Yes, you can. We did meet up recently, and that's in there. Also, we definitely want reviews. Give us reviews. We love the reviews. Cat will read them in her sexy voice. Give them to me. Come on. <sighs> Just like Kat said, give it to her. And oh. all that. We'll see everybody <laughs> next me, time. <laughs> <laughs> see you later. Oh, <laughs> later. Later. <laughs>